Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Also from the night, team investigators in Iowa announcing they've arrested a man in the death of a college student. 24-year-old Christian Rivera is now charged with first-degree murder. Police now say they believe they found the body of Molly Tibbetts. She's been missing for more than a month. The night team's Alex Soprato has the latest on the murder mystery. Well, Ryan, authorities say the man who killed the college student confessed and is in the United States illegally. Video was key to cracking this case. University of Iowa student Molly Tibbetts found dead in a cornfield along this rural road near the city of Brooklyn. Her body covered by corn stalks. Police were led there by Christian Rivera, a 24-year-old man from Mexico living in the United States illegally. He's charged with murder. We have confirmed with Homeland Security Investigations that he is an illegal alien, and we believe he has been in this area now for four to seven years. Authorities say they were able to zero in on Rivera after obtaining video from surveillance cameras which showed Rivera's car driving back and forth as Tibbetts was jogging in the area. They say Rivera got out of his car and ran alongside Tibbetts just before she was killed. And then at one point he tells us that Molly grabbed a hold of her phone and said, you need to leave me alone, I'm going to call the police. And then she took off running. He, in turn, chased her down. And then he tells us that at some point in time he blacks out. And then he comes to near an intersection in which we believe he then placed Molly. Tibbetts' disappearance July 18th set off a massive search, including agents from the FBI. It seemed that he followed her and uh, seemed to be drawn to her on that particular day. And for whatever reason, he chose to abduct her. In 2015, Kate Stinley was shot and killed in California. An illegal immigrant was tried but acquitted of murder. And the case became a flashpoint in the immigration debate, often cited by President Trump. Tonight, the president referenced the Tibbetts case during a rally in West Virginia. You heard about today with the illegal alien coming in very sadly from Mexico, and you saw what happened to that incredible, beautiful young woman. Should have never happened. The field where Tibbet's body was found was searched before, but because her body was covered by corn stalks, searchers didn't see it. A first-degree murder conviction is punishable by life without parole in Iowa. Live in the newsroom, I'm Alex DePrado, 7 News 19. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's 23rd of August, year of our Lord, 2018. And of course, that's the Molly Tibbetts announcement that she was murdered by an illegal immigrant. I'm going to cover it, even though, to be quite honest, the politicization of this incident is pretty much a glaring example of what's wrong with us right now. I mean... By the time I'm done, I'll be covering the left's ignorance on this. They don't even want to acknowledge it because it it unfortunately got prime time. They usually don't cover these things, as we'll see with another incident that happened in Minnesota where a Muslim stabbed a girl. These don't make the news. But with Trump's Twitter and all these things, it, it got out. So they have to degradate it to be something that's not important. 
and throw statistics at people that uh, my no, you know these refugees are less criminal and yada yada yada. I think it's disgusting for the poor family. I mean, when you really break it down, this poor family's got to put up with their daughter being used as a cudgel, either for the left or the right. And granted, I won't be covering the right. There's some horrible stuff happening with conservatives right now, talking about this girl, Katie Stengel, all this stuff. You know, in the in the big scheme of things, they probably wouldn't care about this girl. They don't know this girl, but they, they see that they can use it to prove their fo- point. Some will say I'm a hypocrite for doing that, but at the end of the day, I still stand by the, the statement that's always used by those that are for curtailing our illegal immigration. There's a big difference between an American killing an American and somebody that's not even supposed to be here killing an American. And this is one of those glaring moments. This gentleman shouldn't have been here. And it shows a deeper problem that not only do Democrats think it's okay, they don't care when a white person is killed, this female doesn't get the female, you know, protections that are afforded to progressive females, that this is a war on women, yada, yada, yada. It also shows a deeper problem that the lives of people in the middle of this country mean nothing to the media. And we'll see that uneloquently displayed by a professor on MSDNC. So, of course, by now you know it was Christian Rivera. They faked an E9, uh, the E9, E-Verify, excuse me, um, and he had a stolen ID. His, his lawyer's out there trying to say that this guy's a legal resident, but it was an illegal ID that he used. And it's sad to show that businesses don't fucking care. You know, they just don't care anymore. They're going to use it because they don't have a choice to stay competitive with these sanctuary states and cities. They're going to do it. I mean, literally, I've never had a job where I could start until I was E-verified. I've lived my whole life here. But clearly, it's not that important to our media because that's not even something they're talking about. And instantly, our media, and once again, I can't see Chuck Todd's um, Twitter account, but I'm sure he doesn't care either. Zeke Miller pretty much sums up print media. This is AP White House reporter. Likely coming to a Trump rally near you, investigators suspect Molly Tibbetts' death is custody subject to immigration detainer. Stephen Miller, I don't think coming to a rally is a story you should be going with. They don't care. A regular person said, imagine how fucking morally bankrupt you have to be to say something like this. But they are, because politically they don't want anything Trump says to be true. Neon Taser, stop being gross shitheads to own Trump. Stephen King... Yeah, he's in the bo- he's in the boat with the deplorables. Molly Tibbetts may well have been killed by an undocumented alien. That's a terrible thing. But we might remember that Stephen Craig Paddock was an American citizen. He killed 58. Undetermined why he did it. But they still say he's a right, you know, a white nationalist killing white people at a, a country concert. Flip the script of a white guy 
killed people at a rap concert, you would say it's racism, the media would go crazy. But when a person kills a bunch of conservatives, they don't want to do, they don't want to connect the dots there. It, it doesn't fit them. Tom Mazio, you're right, Stevie, because an American citizen was murdered, then border security is pointless. Let's abolish ICE, open the borders completely, and let criminals come and go as they please. Another person, this argument by Libs baffles me. Any death caused by an illegal alien who shouldn't be in the country is a death that could have been completely prevented, and it's true. Democratic CNN CNN political strategist, I say it that way because he's a Democratic strategist, he's on CNN, and they, of course, are Democratic strategist. Here's his take. It's scorching hot. I used to have a soundbite hot take, but I'm not doing it for the segment because this is just all disgusting. Molly Tibbetts was murdered because she told a man to leave her alone while she was jogging. Her murderer happened to be undocumented. This isn't about border security. This is about toxic masculinity. Molly Tibbetts lost her life because a man couldn't take her saying no. Full stop. Her murderer actually might not even be undocumented. Regardless, it's problematic for people to characterize an entire community based on the actions of one person. The majority of mass shootings in America are carried out by white men. I'm stopping. Because that's liberal think. You can't say a whole community is something when they're on your team, but we can say all white men are murderers, all white people are who voted for Trump are racist. And you know, we we always do it in the media. It's okay. But you can't do it the other way. Sally Cohn on Fox News website. As of 9.02, Manafort conviction is a number two story. Cohn, please, number three. Number one is an undocumented interview immigrant who is suspect for murder of a white girl. She meant to say suspected. Somebody decided to slam her in the face. Now let's complete compare websites. On MSNBC, they didn't even cover it. On CNN, it's below Icelandic actor died at age 43. They don't care. It totally destroys their narrative that these are all peace-loving immigrants. Even though we have another one we're about to talk about. That motherfucker's a Muslim, and he's an extremist. He came in on a Chuck Schumer special. Because they're pandering for specific votes. But as we'll hear, the media just doesn't care. And literally listen to this Christian Greer. Or excuse me, Christina Greer. Just some girl from Iowa. Now Republicans as an attempt both to deal or to get that funding and to talk about something else with the base are using the tragedy of Molly Tibbetts and what happened to her being murdered by an illegal immigrant. Awful, it's awful absolutely tragedy. horrific, but Republicans are ignoring what has happened and are not holding him accountable. And I think that's unbelievably sad. If Trump supporters believe that he is being unfairly targeted, that it is a witch hunt, if you have um, last night, a lot of what was on Fox News mm-hmm. was about Molly Tibbetts, sure. which also is, an important story, which is an important story and also incredibly sad, but also 
also is part of the narrative of, of undocumented right. immigrants doing bad things in this country. Right. The debate about the illegal immigration uh, policies, that's going to rage on. And I think everybody needs to uh, understand and appreciate that it's individuals who commit crime, not communities. Uh, and and clearly we see Trump and Pence now politicizing this issue. And and frankly, uh, I don't know that that's, that that's an unexpected play on their part. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it really is both a, a criminal justice and a political. The separation of powers is not working because the Republican Party has not stood up to this president, not once. So even if there is a guilty verdict from Manafort, even though Cohen has turned himself in, the fact that he was even sworn in as president after the Access Hollywood tape, let me know for a fact that the Republican Party is actually not working on behalf of the American people. They are working on behalf of Donald Trump. And he's been able to bully them into their silence. And I don't think that today changes much, unfortunately. I'm sure we'll hear what he has to say about uh, this at his, his rally. But Fox News is talking about, you know, a girl in Iowa and not this, mm -hmm. right? And tomorrow morning, we know he'll wake up and tweet and sort of, you know, besmirch the reputation of Michael Cohen and all the people around him yep. and really go back to Mueller. And this is obviously going to boil down to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. I want to get one last question in sure. here because it is a story, a very important story in the news. It has to do with Molly Tibbetts, the young woman in Iowa who was murdered. Her body believed to be found yesterday. A person has been charged with it. This person is an undocumented immigrant. Um, Mike Pence and the president have suggested the immigration laws need to be stronger so that people like this man who was accused of this murder were not in the country. Your reaction? Yeah. My, I'm so sorry for the family here, and I know this is hard, not a family, but for the people in her community, people throughout Iowa. Um, but one of the things we have to remember is we need an immigration system that is effective, that focuses on where real problems are. Um, last month, I went down to the border, and I saw where children had been taken away from their mothers. I met with those mothers who had been lied to, who didn't know where their children were, who hadn't had a chance to talk to their children. And there was no plan for they would be reunified with their children. I think we need immigration laws that focus on people who pose a real threat. And I don't think mamas and babies are the place that we should be spending our resources. Separating a mama from a baby does not. How fucked up do you have to be to say something like that? But it's a glaring truth of progressives. It's a glaring truth of African-American progressives. A white life means nothing. Fuck them. They were slaves and shit. Let them die. Fuck off. Her replies to all this, when the right-wing media decides to target you, you really see the economic anxiety come out. A female... African-American. Just wow. Politics have become so toxic, toxic that someone actually thought this was okay to say. This is fucking disgusting and Dr. McGreer will be waiting for your apology. Uh, probably 36 hours later. Yesterday I said something flippant that was unintended. Molly Tibbetts was a promising young woman who lost her life. My hope is that her family will find peace and justice and that her murder is not used to justify a discriminatory immigration policy. Somebody replied, you are more than flippant. <clears throat> it was heartless. Just pray you never have to go through what the Tibbetts family has. Incidentally, her name is spelled Tibbetts, not Tibbetts. You call yourself an enlightened teacher of some sort, right? I mean, seriously think about saying that. Being more concerned 
and we're going to nail the Warren, which is the second part of that soundbite, with a policy that you had no problem with Obama. See, that's what it really comes down to. I would be outraged like everybody else and take my uh, Twitter and, and Facebook avatar and cover it with immigration. But this has been going on. Obama did it, you didn't care. When almost every fucking severe incident that's come out about immigration right now is dated pre to Trump. This is all bullshit. It's the midterms. You need everything to try to win back power so you can impeach Trump as we'll close the show today. MSNBC given a whole primer and they did it all wrong. At the end of the day, folks, Obama did it. You didn't care. The media didn't care. Nobody cared. It was used to stem the flow of immigration. Nobody was hurt. They got three hots and a cot, which was better than they got with the coyotes in the middle of the desert. But the media, you know, this is horrible. It got out. They've done such a good job of suppressing Katie Stingle. I mean, there's a thousand incidents of illegal immigrants killing Americans. We we purposely, because of progressive policies, we don't even track it. Law enforcement doesn't track it. They ignore it because it goes against the narrative. And this one got prime time, and they're upset. They're really upset about it, so they have to squash it. It'll be off the air. I'm sure if you tuned into Morning Joe this morning, they didn't talk about it. They talked about poor children being separated from their families. As we've covered that sex is so in, you know devoutly for a while. Jesus, half it's to find out if the person they're with is actually the parent. Because parents are just sending their kids off. Just sending them off. New York Times, immigrant is charged with Molly Tibbetts' murder in Iowa, and Trump seizes on case. In the article, body believed to be that Trump seizes on killing. A Molly Tibbetts, Iowa college student is found after undocumented immigrant arrest. After undocumented immigrants arrest, Trump seizes on killing of college students after undocumented immigrants arrest. Molly Tibbetts, Iowa student. And a guy just rotated it and showed really all they were saying is seized pounced, seized. Obama, it's going to take a shot in the dark and say New York Times never used Obama, seizes in a headline. Obama invokes Newton dead. Obama calls for stronger gun laws after San Bernardino shooting. After immigrant arrest, Trump seizes. Donald Trump seizes on Orlando shooting or Pete's call for temporary ban on Muslims. You never see it for Democrats. They never seize. They never politicize anything. That's the bias that I talk about on the show. You know, when you, when you, we're going to have people in there say it's all a fucking lie. It's just a right wing uh, defense and it's all bullshit. Come on, man. Every Democrat that gets in trouble, you never heard the word Democrat. And it's always Republican seizing, pouncing, politicizing. When Obama was the most politicizing president we ever had, everything. If I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Right there, if, if Donald Trump said, if I had a daughter, well, you can't really say if I had a daughter, but Molly Tibbetts could have been my daughter. 
They would lose their fucking mind. Washington Post, Megan McCarnell could normally counter for relatively reasonable takes, but this one, not so much. Why is the media not paying attention to a single why is the media not paying attention to a single murder in Iowa rather than testimony that the President of the United States personally ordered his lawyer to commit election fraud? Is the stupidest take in human history. The Molly Tibbetts case is a human tragedy, and I agree for a family community, but it's not more politically or nationally important than potential election fraud by the president. That's not what the take is. Let me explain it to you, somebody says. Immigration is the number one or two, depending on which poll, issues for voters right now. Stories of illegal immigrants taking innocent lives of U.S. citizens cuts deep. Shady D.C. lawyers involved in bribery tax fraud does not. And the more... The important part, and we'll get into part of that, and I'll, I'll fucking screed about that, is Obama did it too. Obama was fined $375,000 for election tampering bullshit. You're, you're not going to impeach Trump on this crap. It's not high crimes. He'll get censured, but, you know, whatevs. And then Warren, <clears throat> can you imagine being such a political fucking hack that... You dismissed that. I was surprised Berman even asked the question. Oh, we need to be on the priority. Our calling card. What our president did, but we didn't care. And we need to be talking about the poor children. I mean, there's more coverage of what I'm about to play, the Mexican murderer, than there'll be for Molly Tibbet. And Tucker's going to break down all the media malfeasance on this and how they're more concerned about, oh, the baby. He's having a baby, not that he was a murderer. And other sound bites about the Mexican murderer that was deported while his wife was in labor. She says her husband has no criminal history and that police have never stopped him. He's never had a ticket. Venegas was forced to drive herself to the hospital. Shortly after, she gave birth to her baby boy. While he's physically okay, this mother is living a nightmare. She says, my husband needs to be here. He had to wait for his son for so long, and someone just took him away. The family, by the way, is working on getting an attorney, we understand. ICE so far has not commented on the incident. If this guy was wanted for murder out of Mexico, then that's definitely a high-priority arrest that ICE has to make. We reached out to Mexican authorities about those alleged charges, and they said they have no information on him. We also asked ICE why the initial statement did not include the allegation that there were pending homicide charges and have been told they're working to confirm the warrant. Arona Lada's attorney denies the accusations and questions their validity, saying he thinks this may be a case of mistaken identity. Unless they have certain proof... There actually is a arrest warrant for this particular person in Mexico. Then we just think that it's, it's something that's an allegation that's not proven yet. Marcy joins us now from where that arrest took place. And Marcy, Mexican officials say they have no information about the detained man's criminal history, but his attorney tells you he's going to court tomorrow to try to get him released. 
Yeah, that's right. He says he plans to file a motion tomorrow asking to have Aronalada released on bond so he can be with his family. Immigration and Customs Enforcement initially said in a statement that Lara was illegally residing in the United States. But after video of the arrest was widely viewed, the agency released a second statement saying, Mr. Arona Lara was brought to ICE's attention due to an outstanding warrant issued for his arrest in Mexico on homicide charges. Were you able to confirm any homicide charges? No, so far we haven't been able to verify anything. The couple's attorney, Emilio Amaya, admits both Lara and Venegas are in the U.S. without the proper documents. For us, the issue is not so much the arrest, but the fact that ICE acted in total disregard for the health and the well-being of the mother. The family's attorney says he's not aware of any Mexican extradition orders for the father. Currently, he's being held in custody pending a removal order. Back in this country, the lawyer for an undocumented immigrant arrested while rushing his pregnant wife to the hospital thinks officials got the wrong man. Joel Aronalara was captured while driving to a hospital in Southern California. Agents say he's wanted for murder in Mexico. But get this, Mexican authorities say they have no information on him. His lawyer says he believes it's a case of mistaken identity. His client, though, still faces deportation. Three days after the arrest, ICE telling ABC News he was detained for being in the country illegally. Then hours later, updating their statement saying Mr. Arona Lada was brought to ICE's attention due to an outstanding warrant issued for his arrest in Mexico on homicide charges. It looks like ICE was doing its job. It's a question of why didn't they release both sets of documents or information at the same time. ICE explaining they didn't release the warrant information right away because they were working to confirm it. But the Mexican Attorney General's Office and National Security Commission tell ABC News they have no record of a warrant against Arona Lada. And the now father of five's attorney denies the allegations. They may be trying to justify their stop. Okay, after that, because of the media coverage is getting, because of the outrage is getting, because of this pregnant woman being nicked up, I think now they're trying to cover their tracks. This past weekend, it wasn't just Democrats going after ICE, though. Media outlets went wild when they learned ICE agents arrested an illegal immigrant from Mexico who was on the way to the hospital with his pregnant wife. The one detail they initially got left out of those headlines, though, apart from it being a scheduled C-section, is that the man is wanted for murder, and Mexican prosecutors had asked the U.S. for help tracking him down. This afternoon, the acting deputy director of ICE defended the arrest. This person was wanted by uh, foreign authorities for murder. This was a referral that we got from Interpol for a wanted person. Uh, we did surveillance to find out where they lived, and when that individual left their home, we made a vehicle stop. None of the ICE officers that made that arrest uh, did anything wrong. The illegal immigrant arrested by ICE while taking his pregnant wife to the hospital was wanted for murder. Mexico now confirming that report. A source tells the Associated Press that Mexican officials also asked the U.S. for help getting him in custody. His wife told local media she thinks he was mistaken for his brother. I want to let you know about this story regarding a new baby boy. He is not with his dad today because ICE agents hauled his father away as the family was headed to the hospital where the mom was scheduled for a C-section. The mother says she does not know what to do now. Chris Holstrom with CNN affiliate KCAL, KCBS, has more. Maria del Carmen Venegas holding back the tears. She says she's doing bad at this moment, and that's when you most need your husband. The mother of five just gave birth two days ago. The same day her husband, Joel Arona, was detained by ICE agents. 
It was Wednesday afternoon. Venegas was on the way to the hospital with her husband. She was heading there for a pre-planned C-section. Surveillance video shows them at the gas station when two cars surround her vehicle. She says they were ICE agents. She says they asked for her ID, so she got her ID and gave it to them. And then they asked about her husband's ID. She says he doesn't have his, but we live pretty close and we can get it if you need it. She says that's when agents had him step out of the vehicle to check for weapons. When he got out, they put him into custody. You could see Venegas was hysterical and had no idea what was going on. She says her husband has no criminal history and that police have never stopped him and he's never had a ticket. Venegas was forced to drive herself to the hospital. Shortly after, she gave birth to her baby boy. While he's physically okay, this mother is living a nightmare. She says, my husband needs to be here. He had to wait for his son for so long, and someone just took him away. The family is now working on getting an attorney, but ICE has not yet commented on this incident. If he was white, he murdered somebody, and he was from Sweden, would that be news? You know it wouldn't. So more to follow on this, but the whole incident's disgusting. The politicization of this poor girl's death by both sides is fucking horrible. And I want you really to think, if you were a mother and your child was killed, and this is how your child's going to be remembered for a couple days, and then off the media screed, That would be painful. But this is not uncommon, folks, as our next soundbite alludes to. And if we are prepared to unite for a struggle for blacks, for Hispanics, for Muslims, if we are not prepared to wage this struggle, then we will fail. But first, We need to make a conscious admission to ourselves that black lives matter. And right now, we are feeling the effects of religious racism and intolerance that we have not seen in over a hundred years. Basically, you are the new black people of America. You are the people being imprisoned. You are the people being denied rights. You are the people being denied the dream. And join hands with other advocates that are struggling for the rights of blacks, Hispanics, and other marginalized people of color. And just as these black brothers and sisters have been murdered in the streets, if we don't stand, you will see Muslims murdered in the streets for no other reason than that they say, la ilaha illallah. That we are the community that staged a revolution across the world. If we could do that, why can't we have that revolution in America? You are the children of the greatest man in history, Muhammad salam. You don't need another message. You don't need another blueprint about what you should do. You know what you should do. And if we do it, 
Allah has promised us the same victories that he granted to those who came before us. And today must be that start. I don't want any of you leaving here without dedicating yourself to a cause for civil rights. We are the community that staged a revolution across the world. If we could do that, why can't we have that revolution in America? Both of those were taken uh, over the last month in Chicago. First a lecturer talking about how they need to take over this fucking country and black power protests. I played it because it centers into this area, which is Minnesota. Silence. Muslim refugee stabs woman 14 times in Minnesota and not a drop of media coverage came out. This is why the Molly Tibbetts is so shocking. And the media is upset about it. The Minneapolis papers have ignored the story, and the only identification of attacker, Somali Muslim immigrant, comes towards the end of this video, and I'm not going to play it. The Minneapolis media seems determined to ensure that no one gets a negative impression of Muslim immigrants, and they continue to flow into the area in large number. Women stabbed 14 times, speaks about ordeal. A Minnesota woman was stabbed 14 times while walking to her uptown home, said she is doing better and is focused on helping police catch her attacker. 26-year-old Morgan Evanson said she was attacked while walking home from her job at Apple Store on Hennepin Avenue. Evanson told KSTP she struggled with her attacker at the corner of 32nd Street and Fremont Avenue, and she considered herself lucky to be alive. This incident happened, it says, in January. And it's one. I could fill a podcast with all of them. I could just keep talking. That area of the country, as you heard by that soundbite, is really bad. Dearborn is pretty much a Sharia law run area. It's like the Rajneesh Puram in, Port, in the Oregon area back in the fucking 80s. But the media doesn't cover it. Doesn't matter. I think the only way we'll ever hear about what immigrants are doing in this country is when a immigrant kills a important African American. That's the only way it's going to make news. And then it'll be Toxic masculinity. They won't they won't cover the illegal immigrant portion of it because it doesn't fit them. So now we go to another example of Antifa in Portland, Oregon. Hey, 
got this from an individual, PDX Mike Blivens, who I follow on Twitter. Man down, he's dripping blood from his head, this is serious. He got in a struggle with some black-clad dudes over a flag, and one of them clubbed him. Video coming. Video shows a struggle for a flag, and then a black-clad person hit the dude in the head before he drops. I was watching the blood pour out of his head and into his street. And surprises of all surprises, August 20th, 2018, in the Oregonian. He brought an American flag to a protest fascism in Portland. Then Antifa attacked him. Paul Welch came to downtown protest August 4th to let his political leanings be known. With pride, he clutched the U.S. flag as he moved along the crowd-like thinking demonstrator. Excuse me, crowd of like-thinking demonstrators. Soon a group of black-clad anti-fascists or antifa demanded he lose the flag, calling it a fascist symbol. Welch refused, and a tug-of-war ensued. It ended with Welch taking a club to the back of the head, laying on the ground in a pool of his own blood. Only Welch was not a proud boy, a patriot prayer prayer supporter, among other conservative activists who descended in the area that day, many from out of town. He was one of the hundred of progressive Portlanders who had turned out to oppose the right-wing rally held at the Tom McCall Waterfront Park. I didn't come as part of any Oregon group, or any one group, Welch said in an interview with the Oregonian. I was just protesting outside coming here from their tactically fascist event. Anger followed the demonstration has largely been directed at Portland police. The use of less lethal riot control weapons on counter-protesters hospitalized at least three people and injured several others. But others like Welch became target of violence at the hands of protest participants. A video taken of this attack has been viewed more than 800,000 times online. Many have assumed the tussle with Antifa of a U.S. flag placed Welch squarely in the right wing camp. Not so. I had felt like showing that a liberal free Portland or any major city really is much more American and much more numerous and strong than any of these interloping groups, he said. Slightly progressive leftists, by his telling, Welch is a registered Democrat in Oregon. Voting records show he cast a ballot for Bernie Sanders. But they beat him because it was a flag. They don't like flags. So I go to the comment sections. Remember this Portland? Matt in Oregon, my bro, could tell you, they're fucking insane. They they make liberals go, goddamn. Why I feel sorry for the guy when you're going to protest a group with Patriot in the name, waving your flag around is basically like going into combat wearing the enemy colors. You need to expect to take some friendly fire. There are some positives. The reason about this video is not shown on any of the OG3 networks or even reported by major newspaper should be no mystery. Same with Eric Clanton's story. It appears that they will give Antifa the same pass that the left gives them unless and until Antifa kills someone. This is no joke and democracy is dying in Bezos' darkness. Wakey, wakey. I don't know what's more sick, that Antifa attacked this guy, or that the article went to such lengths to point out that he's a good, right-thinking progressive. It's the Oregonian. What do you expect? Yeah. 
very cleverly written. Unfortunately, I can't view the original article to perfectly quote the writer, but it was along the lines of how not only was this this poor guy not a conservative, as if that would have potentially justified, or not as bad if it had right-leaning beliefs. He's a poor, unarmed liberal who never should have taken a club to the head. There's plenty of subtle hints throughout this article that it was written purely because of the victim's political viewpoints. Had it been a conservative walking down the street with a flag, not part of the protest, it would never have been written, and that's true. But they're they're up in the ante. Antifa calls for a formation of Red Army to annihilate their enemies. Increasingly violent Antifa group Red Guard Austin is now calling for the formation of a Red Army. In a recent blog post they published and shared from their Facebook account, the far-left extremist group said the following, We encourage the formation of paramilitary organizations on two levels. The first thing being we are mainly unarmed but are prepared and training to carry out fistfights and using blunt weapons like axe handles or flagpoles as well as shields and basic armoring. The second level is a more advanced MBO of the Red Army Army, which is training militarily and operates as soldiers all the time, engaging in production and mass work among the proletariat and the ex- oppressed nation's people. What the f- are these guys that socialist? Jesus Christ. Then they advocate for sustaining physical confrontations against anyone who believes to be a fascist. They believe to be a fascist. It is time for Austin to stand up to shake off bad leadership trying to impose itself on anti-fascism and come together under a better model of actual resistance and not token performance. When we organize and lead actions, the fascists do not march every step they take as met with physical confrontation and they are bombarded from all sides. They conclude this post by reaffirming their commitment to terrorism and say they are prepared to annihilate people they believe to be fascists or collaborators. On the basis of our principles of United Front work, fascists and their collaborators can be drowned out, run out, routed, beaten, bloody, and even annihilated. These are our principles, and we aim to hold them to the very finish. The military rhetoric is a continuation of previous statements from this cell, which included open calls for revolutionary violence and armed resistance. This Antifa group is just one of many violent communist cells now openly operating across the country. We have previously reported on similar cells in L.A., St. Louis, And Kansas City. And this is from Far Left Watch. They watch this stuff. Once again, if it was a liberal at a tea party carrying a flag and was clubbed, Chuck Todd would have wet his fucking pants. But we don't even cover it. Chuck Todd brought the fucking creator, the handbook writer, of Antifa's TV show twice. He's all for this. Chris Cuomo, as we played numerous times in two different screeds, morally justify. Judge and jury, just assume they're fascist and beat them in the face. The sad part is, it's just not Antifa. <laughs> so this guy is wearing a... Um... Uh, make American Donald Trump uh, hat. And what do we think about Donald Trump? <laughs> Listen, he's right over here. See that red hat right there? I will give you $100 if you walk up and knock that hat off. Who said? Oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Let me get front. Let me get front. Fuck Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Got him! <laughs> <laughs> 
happening. Also, yesterday there was a Democratic rally, Stronger Together rally down in the state of Florida, and one of the congressmen down there, Al C. Hastings, made a very disturbing joke. Keep in mind, he's a Democrat from Florida. He made this very disturbing joke at that rally. Listen. I will tell you uh, one joke. Do you know the difference between a crisis and a catastrophe? A crisis is if Donald Trump falls into the Potomac uh, River and can't swim. And he says, and a catastrophe is anybody saves his Well, that just goes to show you the uh, tenor of political discourse these days, where he's making a joke about, you know, I I don't think he ever thought it would go public, but obviously everybody's got camera phones these days. Everything always goes public. Steve, he's at the podium with a microphone in Mm -hmm. front of an audience. You have to assume it's going to go public. Not necessarily. For him to, what is he trying to do there? Is he trying to galvanize people against Trump? I'm pretty sure the Democrats are galvanized. Saying something inappropriate? I mean, obviously he wrote that ahead of time. That he prefers the president drown, drown drown in the Potomac River. The double standard. Imagine if a Republican said that about a Democrat in office. Imagine if a Republican stood at a podium and said that about the president, uh, President Obama, the last administration. What would be the outcry? Would it be all over the other networks? Hmm. What do you think? Uh, email us, friends at foxnews.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Never well. okay to joke about someone dying. That's all over social media. Somehow Twitter doesn't seem that as a violation of the term of service. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Inciting violence. And the second one is a literal Democrat making a joke. Only Fox covered it. And the only story I could find... Exclusive 16-year-old who provided drowning Trump joke explains why he thinks it was warranted. Dem Representative Alcee Hastings took some heat over a joke he told over the weekend, but he says that he got a joke from Ari Silver, 16-year-old son of a former Florida State Representative Barry Silver. Ari, for his part, claims the joke was not intended to wish harm upon the president, but rather was meant to be a way to point out his failings. I'll tell you one joke, Hastings told the rally goers. Do you know the difference between a crisis and a catastrophe? A crisis is if Donald Trump falls into the Potomac River and can't swim. Catastrophe is anybody saves his ass. Ari, the 16-year-old son of a former Florida state representative and the founder of a pro-gun control organization called Student March to Stop Gun Violence, told the D.C. that although Hastings did hear the joke from a week before, the Florida lawmaker used it. It was simply a new variation of an old joke used by his father and grandfather. The joke was used by grandfather many years ago, but he was talking about Yasser Arafat. I've heard my dad use the same joke about various malicious people. It becomes apparent to me that the local villain of this day is Trump. It's okay, though. It's okay that people are raising kids to say it's okay for the president to fucking drown. And I once again, I'm going to do it on every one of these because we have a whole bunch in this intro. It's not stopping. Let a kid tell a joke like that about Obama. Racist, white nationalist, KKK, piece of fucking shit. The media would run with it. Remember, we spent a month talking about fucking Sandra Fluke because of goddamn Rush Limbaugh. Not even a politician. But this doesn't even make the airwaves. It's ignored. We spent an entire election cycle because a a fucking conservative politician said the best way to prevent being pregnant is hold an aspirin between his knees. Or her knees. Every Republican had an answer for that. Right now, we got Maxine Waters telling people to attack Trump officials. We have our media saying attack 
all Trump supporters make their lives miserable because they're fucking racist. And when people go out and say stuff and do stuff, we don't even cover it. But the press isn't the enemy of the people, huh? I'm starting to change my opinion on the Trump statement. I started out with that's a little too far. Now, every week that goes past that, I'm going, oh, maybe he's on to something. Because why isn't that condemned? Why isn't it morally right for a Chuck Todd, a Brian Seltzer, a Don Lemon, a Chris Cuomo? To for five seconds stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. We really need to watch the rhetoric. The violence is out of hand. I mean, it's not like we had a guy fucking shoot up a baseball team and have an assassination list. I mean, that actually happened. And you don't hear about Hodgkins, do you? It's gone. It would be midterm fodder if the roles were reversed. And a conservative shot up a Democrat. But if they weren't beating people up, the war on statues is back. Nobody even knows who that fucking statue is. But that's, you know, got to attack a statue. It was awesome. It's good shit. Didn't make national news, but it, it was really good stuff. Good for them to taking down a sad statue that nobody knows about. And then we took the hate mainstream and we had the Video Music Awards. Coast to coast right now. I'm looking at this like it's game day, people. But do not worry. Because at this game, you guys are allowed to kneel. You can do whatever the hell you want. There's no old white man that can stop you. Do it. It's going to happen at the VMAs. I mean, beasts pop off. Bad language. People run to the bathroom and send out crazy tweets. It's basically like your typical day at the White House. In your face, Trump, suck it. You ever wonder what it means to make a button in beans and finally attain your dreams on the come up where they run up on the world of many scenes? I've been at it since the team. Get this money, get this dream. Hard work and sacrifice, but not a lot of what I most these rappers ain't got no class like bomb threats And being ill is a disease, it's the onset It don't matter where you at, if you white or if you black If you rich or you poor, we gon' always run But one thing I can be sure, as long as I got the I'ma use this power to play my pizza Yeah, that musical part's a bunch of people run around with Fuck the wall shirts, I don't even know who he is I didn't understand a word he said, yeah Kevin Hart co-presented the 2018 MTV Video Music Awards And wasted no time taking a shot at the president it's game day, but don't worry. At this game, you guys aren't allowed to kneel. Do whatever the hell you want. I don't see any old white men anywhere. He must have missed seeing the members of Aerosmith, including lead singer Steven Tyler. But wait, he wasn't quite finished. Finishing the opening of August 20 broadcast, Hart went on to say, So you never know what's going to happen to the VMAs. Beefs pop off, bad language, people run in the bathroom and sending crazy tweets. It's basically any day at the White House. 
in your face, Trump. Suck it. Yeah. That's nice. And nobody watched. Candace Owens is getting attacked. Racism dog owners. This is a SPLC front. And they went on to basically, I'm not going to read it, but it's basically uh, she's a Uncle Tom. And that all black people that are conservatives are tools for the right. And they're being bullshit. Just bullshit. Just bullshit. I mean, seriously. Did anybody see the video this week? Of the black girl beating a white guy with what looked like a dustbin? Yeah. That made the crazy race hustlers upset. Tariq Nasheed, I don't know the context of this clip, but it looks like an intro for a very interesting movie. Hey, that's me in the chair. I bet you're wondering how I got in this situation. First, let me go back and tell you how my day started. Read the gleeful comments on his tweet and then tell me there's no such thing as anti-white racism. Why are you bringing race into it, people ask. Don't you ever get tired of playing the race card? Another person's self-awareness level below zero because Tariq Nasheed brings fucking race into everything. But that got people fired up. But racism towards white people is cool. And it's what's down with the progressives. And I'm not saying black people. It is white, lily white black people. They think it's cool to be racist towards, you know, black white people. It's all right. There's no problems with that. You can call them any kind of name you want. You can demean them. You can tell fucking conservative black women they're freaking Uncle Toms. It's what our society is. And I think it's because of people like Torre. We don't need to hear him saying the N-word to know he's racist. He has one of the <laughs> longest resumes of racist behavior and rhetoric in this entire country. Not just among politicians, but just among people. This is the king of birtherism. This is the man who's attacking the NFL constantly. This is a man who stands on black people's necks so that he can appear taller to white people. White nationalism and white entitlement were at the basis of his campaign. Campaign. We don't need any more evidence. The jury is in. With Tory's presentation, part of what I hear is part of why black people are not uh, dealing with the GOP at this point. He's talking about that we are obsessed with race, right? And he has this colorblind approach that everybody will rise. And we know that's not the case, right? This is a white supremacist country, and we have to deal with that every day in everything, in how we relate to the police and how we relate to jobs and how we relate to the criminal justice system, in everything. And when you talk about we are obsessed with race, what we hear is, I don't want to deal with race. I want to not talk about it. You should not talk about it. And that is... They don't have to talk about it. They're not the ones that are... that is offensive to... Yeah, America is a white supremacist country. Hmm. And we wonder why there's violence, huh? That's on our TVs. Also on our TVs from crazy just general road leftists. Lefties cry boycott Nathan's hot dog after owner host a Trump fundraiser. So now they want that boycotted. That that makes pretty much perfect sense that we're going to boycott a hot dog manufacturer because they support somebody we don't agree with. Then we had the Nazi, a real Nazi that could have been 
deported under Obama but was ignored was apprehended. I'm going to play the sound bites back to back. The first one is talking about it. And then the media, and once again, can't let Trump have anything positive. News was there exclusively as ICE agents wheeled Yakif Pauli from his New York home. Sir, are you a Nazi? You're watching a now frail 95-year-old man finally being deported for his alleged role as an armed guard at a Nazi death camp in Poland decades after his alleged involvement. Any regrets, sir? Do you have any regrets? Justice Department investigators say Pauli was complicit in the deaths of thousands of Jews during World War II. Authorities say Pauli lied to immigration officials when he first entered the U.S. in 1949. And it wasn't until 2003 that he was exposed as an alleged war criminal and stripped of his U.S. citizenship. Anything you'd like to say, sir? Anything. The lead investigator saying in 2004, quote, During a single nightmarish day in November 1943, all of the more than 6,000 prisoners of the Nazi camp that Yaki Pali had guarded were systematically butchered. A judge ordered him deported in 2005, but no country would take him. For years, protesters gathered outside his home in Queens, demanding action. Members of Congress imploring President Trump to finish what was started, to send a message to the entire world that the United States stands firmly against anti-Semitism, bigotry, and hatred. The deportation drawing rare praise for Trump from top Democrats. He's a war criminal. He didn't deserve to live in the United States. He doesn't deserve to die in the United States, a place of freedom and equality where we respect each other's differences. Sources tell ABC News the president became fixated on the case, ordering his new ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, to make Polly's deportation a top priority after being sworn in. It's unclear what's next for him. He's being detained by the German government, but they're still evaluating his legal status since they don't consider him to be a German citizen. These are some numbers I want to share with you that are very important. According to court filings, 2,654 is the total number of children separated. 565 children remain separated and 366 parents have already been deported. Is the White House close to reuniting all of these children with their parents yet? Gigi, it doesn't appear that way, and we should take a moment and just let these numbers sink in because we're at a moment now where they kind of just blow past us. But there are 565 children who were separated from their parents by the government and have been for months. Now, just this past week, a federal judge urged the Trump administration to reach a compromise with the ACLU as it relates to coming up with a plan to reunify these families. And you'll remember the government said that groups like the ACLU should use their significant resources to take the lead in doing these reunifications. Why is that? Well, it's because the Trump administration didn't have a plan in place to, to bring these families back together when they initially instituted this family separation policy. So they've been really trying to play catch up and coming up with a plan in real time. It's really unfathomable that there was no plan in place from the get-go. And so many of these children are under the age of five, which is an incredibly critical time to be separated from your mother. Uh, Lonnie, I do want to ask you, hundreds of these children, as we were talking about, they remain in government custody. The Trump administration is, meanwhile, honoring ICE agents. So what is your reaction to that? 
Well, I, I think we have to understand these events as a setup for the presidential, rather the midterm campaign season uh, that we're entering into. I think what we're seeing is an effort to put President Trump in a position to drive some messaging uh, that the White House and Republicans believe is going to be beneficial going into a midterm election season. Now, why might that be? In hosting this ICE event, it's an opportunity for the president to remind people of how some Democrats have advocated for the abolition of ICE, all while driving up turnout and driving up interests amongst Republicans. So really, I think we have to see this all as part of a whole. Yes, the optics, the contrast is problematic. But if you think about it from the perspective of what Republicans need for this election, this all makes sense. So these children are being used as political pawns, essentially. Well, you heard the soundbite. Then there's Tom Dunn, who decides to turn the whole thing into it's Trump basically pouncing again. Another one, John Wagner, seeking political advantage. Trump and GOP play up role of ICE and deportation of Nazi collaborator. Republicans pounce, but you know Democrats remain noble. Literally online, it would seem like the resistance was confused because they hate Nazis, but... Wait a minute, do we hate Nazis? Well, it's the wrong Nazis. It's not Trump. It should be Trump being gone away. Andy Lassner, a literal piece of shit Democrat, said Obama got bin Laden again. Others, where'd they find him in Trump Tower? What do you and POTUS constantly taint even decent news and statements criticizing others, including past administrations? This huge waste of resources, but whatever. Perpetuate the swamp. Yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Even a positive story, like a guy that should have gone away a long time ago. People were even asking, hold on, is it xenophobic white nationalism to demand justice for a Nazi camp guard? Who is what exactly? He <laughs> didn't know what to do. So usually at this point, I go into Europe stuff, which I don't have as much as I usually do, but we're an hour into the show. And we've just covered hate. Just hate. But Paul Watson had a soundbite, not going to play it. Once again, in London, them having to take a guy out because he was stabbing people. The Daily Mail, knifeman shouted, Ali Akbar kills one person in Paris. That was over in France. And how was it covered in CNN? Two people were killed and one badly injured in a knife attack on Thursday morning in Traps, a suburb west of Paris. The attacker was also killed, police said. And no time did they say, he said, Ali Akbar. And that's our hate. Somebody asked me about the format change. My intent was to start the show with all the hate that's going on right now. All the violence is going on. But at no time did I think it'd be one hour of the show. One hour before we fire for affecting repeat over subjects we already talked about. This is one hour. What else do I have to say about it's gone too far, liberals and media? You've gone too far. It is out of control. There is more violence every day towards people who you don't like and don't think like you than you could say ever was the inverse. 
Where are the transgenders being drugged by cars? Where are women being beaten? Where is the African Americans being lynched? You talk about it all the time, but I can't find any stories on that. But I can find plenty of stories about middle of the country, everyday white people getting taken out by immigrants, getting beaten by Antifa, and the entire time, the drumbeat that keeps on going, that drumbeat is our media continually saying those people are sub-fucking-human. You know, Democrats installed Jim Crow because they didn't like that African Americans were free. How many years afterwards? A hundred? We're getting a new level of Jim Crow laws. There are go no go areas. We have signs on doors. I don't serve Trump supporters. It's their new Jim Crow. And it's for anybody who doesn't think like me. So to clean out our headgear, here's a minute and 30 seconds of me boating down the Cumberland. Enjoy the sound of the motor, the splashing of the water, and then we're going to fire for effect. media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed
kind of lying and disorder and fraud is disruptive to the business of making your lives better in government. But there's a grander concern. What if despite all that came out today, especially the lying to your face by Trump about criminal conduct, and remember, this isn't about judging his personal life. I don't think what the president does in his personal time is your place or my place to judge. But lying to you about potential crimes, that matters. So with all that, what if today does not change the president's polls? You heard the crowd in West Virginia tonight, right? Not a boo in the house. What does that tell you? Could be a bad day for America. Why? Because we want to see the president do poorly? No. Even though he doesn't have half the country with him, he does have a lot of people, millions and millions. And all of us need to agree on certain things like fraud, felonies surrounding and involving a president. Those are bad things. And if we don't all see that, then the truth has been politicized. That means our institutions have taken a hit, just as Trump wants. Respect for law, stained. We're in silly silos, ugly notions of us versus them. Division like that is toxic. Today will be the test. If what we learn today doesn't matter to people, what will? Today has to matter. It doesn't mean it's the end for the president. It's nothing like that. But people need to agree, Don. These types of lies, this types of fraud... Yeah, that's Chris Cuomo. We don't root for failure. Look at those fucked up Trump supporters. Now, you're not the enemy. A lot of stuff of Manafort, Cone, I'm not going to cover a lot. I'm just going to cover some interesting tweets and a few other subjects because the whole goddamn thing is just annoying as shit at this point in time. Once again, none of this has to do with the election. Nothing is going to change the fact that Trump won and he didn't cheat to win. It Just the way it worked out, you'll get the presidency back in 2020. But this is smoke screens for the midterms, and they just want to keep on doing it. We're going to go after anything, anything at all. Paying somebody off to be silent is not obstruction. It's not anything major. It's nothing that can impeach a president. Washington Post even put out a fucking article. You may want impeachment, but none of this is going to come to impeachment. There's just nothing there. If the President of the United States can fucking lie to the American people and get away with it, you set the precedence, Democrats. So there it is. Walk away, Red Wave 2018 did. Why did Apple provide all of Paul Manafort's emails and personal information from iCloud to Robert Mueller upon a simple request? Remember when they fused to unlock phones for San Bernardino? Well, goddamn. I never even thought of that. That's pretty spot on. All the records are being handed up for this because Apple's... Democrats. Uh, R&R Rain. Chris Parento, Army Ranger and member of CIA security team during 2012 Benghazi ordeal. Hillary ordered him and his team to keep their mouths shut and go along with the Muslim video story. He refused. He lost his security clearance. Media, other than Fox, ignored it. And then Katie Pavlich puts out something that's pretty interesting. Remember when Democrats demanded John Brennan to resign? Yeah. Do we remember that? Not so long ago, Democrats felt very differently about Brennan. In fact, a number of lawmakers on the left side of the aisle have called for his resignation. The Hill, 2014. Mark Udall became the first senator to make the call when he issued a statement declaring that he had no choice but to call for the resignation of John Brennan. The CIA, 
CIA unconstitutionally spied on Congress by hacking into Senate Intel Committee computers. This grave misconduct not only is illegal, but it violates the U.S. constitutional requirement of separation of powers. Yeah. The New York Times editorial board echoed those sentiments, saying Brennan Head may need to roll over the CIA spying on Senate computers. Why CIA Director John Brennan must resign. Yeah. Politico. Does John Brennan know too much for Obama to fire him? Hmm. Then you got Greg Jarrett bashing Comey. I find it amusing when James Comey sermonizes about lies and truth. Comey, truth matters. This is a man who used a lie to launch the Russian hoax and deceive the court to wiretap. He stole government documents, then leaked them to trigger the special counsel, his friend. Yeah, do we remember that? I do. Then the Hill, Schumer, blasts Trump over security clearance. This is exactly what goes on in dictatorships. No, Schumer, not prone to wild exaggeration. The abuse of powers of public office to silence critics, punish political enemies, exactly what goes on in dictatorships and banana republicans. Republics. We're not one of those. Thank God, Schumer said. Biz Manser, in a dictatorship, you just got executed. You don't get security clearances taken away. Think about that for a second. Rand Paul, I think, has the best take on all of this, followed by... Michael Isakoff, no conservative, who's talking about the free speech point and saying on a network that didn't really like it, this whole thing is hogwash. So I think we've made it such that the penalties are so draconian that any normal person would be afraid to speak to the FBI. And we also now see FBI that's become so politicized. I think James Comey has so tarnished the reputation of the FBI that most people would think, well, gosh, if I go in, it may be that they hate President Trump. And because I'm a Republican, they're going to hate me, too. But James Comey has done a great deal to tarnish reputation. a great group of people. I know a lot of FBI agents. They don't deserve this. But that's the situation we're in now. And this is a highly political investigation that really the only thing that's come out of it so far is we seem to be indicting Russians over something, hacking somebody's emails, okay, and we seem to be indicting people like Paul Manafort for something that may has no connection. Sure. Well, look, I mean, the John Brennan uh, revocation, um, I think some of this is a little overwrought. The idea that it's stifling uh, free speech is kind of absurd. John Brennan is going on this network uh, within an hour uh, and is going to speak freely about what he has to say about the president. He certainly hasn't held back. And one should look at some of his tweets, which I think, um, you know, are probably the views are probably shared by most of your lit- listeners. Uh, but the fact is, he is a former CIA director. And when he says the president is a demagogue who will end up on the dustbin of history, um, when he says, uh, that the president engaged in collusion when he had testified before Congress that he was not aware if there was actual collusion. I mean, there are a lot of questions. 
people have within the intelligence community about a lot of what John Brennan has but, been but saying. But Michael, he didn't use um, any of his classified information. He didn't abuse right. any of it. There are 13 reasons not. why you can remove somebody's clearance. Right. He I, hasn't I committed any of them, and there's no process, Michael. I mean, that's that's just a, yeah. that's a, that's a weird argument. That you don't like, it's not, it's you not don't a like weird what he argument, says. That's Ali. cool. It's, it, it's cool it's not, not to like it's it. It's not a weird argument. No, but it is much more serious. Michael, 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 hold on, Michael. There are 13 reasons that you can take somebody's clearance away. Sure. There are no breaches of those by... My only point is, I don't disagree with that at all. My only point is, John Brennan is not going to suffer because his uh, security clearance has been revoked. I don't think anyone's care if he is. Is the nation going to suffer because of it? Is there some bigger implication? Can I I make my point, please? What is much more serious is the questions about Bruce Orr, because he's still a standing Justice Department official. And when you talk about basically eliminating anybody's due process and revoking by presidential edict somebody who is still in office still serving the government that to me is a much more serious matter pretty spot on but let's do a little time machine and remember what happened under obama that seemed to be okay cheryl Atkinson. Remember when this was first made public and the concern in the media and amongst most lawmakers was deafening? And by deafening, I mean, I couldn't hear it. CBS News, 2013. CBS News announced Friday that correspondent Cheryl Atkinson's computer was hacked by an unauthorized external unknown party on multiple occasions, confirming Atkinson's previous revelation of hacking. CBS News spokesman Sonia McNair said that the cybersecurity firm hired by CBS has determined through forensic analysis that Atkinson's computer was accessed by an unauthorized external unknown party on multiple occasions in late 2012. Evidence suggests this party performed all access remotely using Atkinson's account. While no malicious code was found, forensic analysis revealed that intruder had executed commands that appeared to involve search and exfiltration of data. This party also used sophisticated methods to remove all possible indications of unauthorized activity and alter system times to cause further confusion. CBS News is taking steps to identify the responsible party and their method of access, and they found out who it was, Obama and company. She was reporting heavily on Fast and Furious and Benghazi, and it was election time. They didn't want it to get out. But the media didn't care then. They had no problem with hacking of journalists who don't sing art song. So, yeah, all of this Russia shit, I've said it enough on the show. Smokescreen. It's not real. There's more proof that there was collusion between Russia and Hillary than anything else. There's more proof that there was wiretapping in Trump Tower and mask unmasking of people. The Obama administration, before and after he left, did some dirty shit that if Trump even thought about doing right now, he would be impeached. So bullshit. All bullshit! Tweets of the day. just made that up 
Well, I have. No, I didn't make it up, Don. Listen, you do it on your show almost every night. You call the president a racist. So don't tell me this doesn't happen. All right. Any viewer knows it does. And speaking of ICE specifically, I wrote an article about this in Real Clear Politics. Know, any which viewer does not know that, Steve. About can't, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Because what you said is just Don, you call him a racist every night. True. Well, would you like me to go through the evidence? That about his racism that you seem to you can't see because you have these Trump blinders on because you have Trump derangement blinders on. Blinders. Steve, I understand that. But when you say something completely wrong and you have no evidence to back it up, I've got to say so on the air. You have no evidence to back up that the, the mainstream media is somehow vilifying Border Patrol agents and people okay. who work on the border. That is simply not true. You don't consider Hayden part of mainstream media. He's, He's one person. On Even if, and I, I don't know the television. context of his tweet, but that's one person to say the entire all of mainstream media is vilifying um, people who work on the border is just completely false it's something you would hear on the trump news network I, not on this network and i haven't no, he I, I haven't heard it on any other network I don't agree, but also we could go to elected officials if you don't want to talk media how about elected that's officials? that's not what you said mayor of new york city that's not what you said okay no like, okay I, I'm and that's not, and, and that's not what we're talking if we don't about. want to debate that point okay. all night no, no, and I'm not conceding that point at all, because I do think mainstream media absolutely demonizes ICE continually. For example, let me give you an example from just yesterday, or I guess it was no, two days ago. No, let's not, please. Let's not, crazy. let's not, because we were supposed to be talking no. about... No self-awareness. You call him a racist every night. We do not do that. But you want me to show proof that he is a racist? And seriously, CNN about ICE? I mean... I. I had to play that somewhere, so I threw it in there, and I'm just like, sweet Jesus. But it prefaces our tweet of the day. And the tweet of the day is that the moment Jack said, hey, we have a liberal virus, not intentional, just that we're all libs, everybody's tried to fucking downplay that. It's just, once again, it's it's on the contention of what Republicans say about Hillary Clinton and her right-wing media. You know, there's only one channel. But Judd Legum went to excellent lengths to do this, and it makes our tweet of the day. Judd Legum wants all you silly conservatives to know that there is zero evidence that you're being censored or discriminated against in social media, and you can trust and believe him because he himself is super unbiased and objective. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we may have actually hurt ourselves with that one. Here's his tweet. Important. There's absolutely no evidence that social media companies are discriminating against conservatives. Zero. None. But Trump and Republicans continue to press this point anyway, and it's yielding results. He then shows Fox News produces 12 shows, and it's allowed to be on Facebook, and that is his proof. That they have more Facebook Post than other people. Publishers rank by total likes, shares, and comments to English language web content published. They beat out by 4 million CNN. And that's supposed to be his proof. He goes on, Trump and the GOP continue to complain because it gives himself access and potentially more favorable treatment. Facebook is conducting studies on political bias that only involves conservative Twitter CEO went to Hannity. Why would the right wing stop making bogus? When will the white wing, is what he should have said, uh, stop making bogus charge? I'll be tracking this issue on popular information. Now, let's not get into the facts. Of course, there's more likes on Fa Fox. Because Fox is the most watched TV network. 
They drag everybody else through the mud every week, every month, every year. You know, they try to take out fucking O'Reilly. They thought they had him, and it didn't change. They're the most watched news network. The middle of the country, and the majority of the people would honestly say, in the middle of the day, Fox is less biased than watching CNN and MSNBC every day. I mean, we're going to close with MSNBC talking about impeachment, but I think they were talking about impeachment of Pence. So at the end of the day, they already view Trump as dead and he's gone. CNN views as everybody in America is racist that's not a progressive. I mean, come the fuck on. Our sound bites every week, we're going to have another one for our hypocrisy section, is of everybody from the Obama and Clinton administration on this week. And Chuck Todd and his people are all libs. So you can't get away from it. Where do you go? Even if you're not conservative, you go to Fox. Because it's too much. But to literally say there's no bias... It isn't all these people getting drugged through the mud. I mean, before I get to the tweet of the day, memo reveals Soros-funded social media censorship plan plotted with Google, Facebook to eliminate right-wing propaganda. This has been from the top of the left. Facebook took down 652 accounts of pages after finding a new influence campaign on the midterms. Facebook is ranking users' trustworthiness without telling them. That's a whole article. And they literally over and over and over and over and over and over and over show they have a bias towards the right. So our tweet of the day comes from Eric Spencer. You're either incredibly stupid or lying out of your ass if you can say this with a straight face. Hey, tweet of the day! He is the leader of the free world. Oh, no, he's not. He's not the leader of the free world, but sorry. Well, by default, he's the leader of the free world. Angela Merkel's the leader of the free world, but... Well, he, he is the most important person in, in the world, in politics right now, and he is very vocal. And I do agree with you that this does express a level of exasperation among his aides that they can't have any control over. You're our, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Your argument that he's not the leader of the free world because he's not because standing up for democracy, he's right, not standing up for he, humanitarian yeah, he's, he's, rights. He's a, he's a sort of junior player in a block of authoritarian countries. And no, and the people like the European Union are no longer looking at him as a leader any longer, and they're thinking of, of course doing not. Thing. They see That's him as right. They see him, he's instead he's like right. He's part of a block that includes Vladimir Putin, Duterte. He's you know he's kind of part so, of a he, he's part of kind of an axis power. That's, of well, that. hold on. It's that's, worse. Uh, it's that's, it's worse than putting that, him in a certain. I mean, way i mean not that that's not the worst thing you could have said because it's about the worst thing you could say about him but well, if he's, he's not, not he's the leader rounding people up and murdering America. murdering them yeah. without any uh, you know yeah. due process he certainly like to and we have a second round them up and shoot them the first one was some nobody that we played on the last show this is jonah goldberg from the washington post that's okay though that's okay to say that He'd certainly like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
We uh, we just keep on going down the tyranny. Once again, if if Trump was what you say he was, you'd be dead. Kind of like the Clintons. They just took motherfuckers out. Our next hate tweet is Ocasio-Cortex. Sorry for banning press. This is what she decided to say. Catching up on how this became a thing which while I was gone. Biggest critique is I should have had a label private, even though we'd said it prior to was closed to the press, she tweeted. Genuine question. How should we be we label a free campaign event open to all that's a sanctuary place? Still private? See the sanctuary? And she basically covers that they should have a safe place to be able to do this. It needs to be a safe place where there's no press. But remember, the war on the press is Trump, who doesn't ban people from shit. I mean, the press is everywhere. And this is not a problem with the left. Not a problem with the media. It was only local media that got upset. It is just the hypocrisy. The next one, Steve Tyler. I just want to make sure you understand, at the very end, his point of saying, and I guess I'm not prefacing it because I figure we all have heard it by now, he's saying that he doesn't want Trump playing his shit, and in all caps, it's not about Dems versus Republican. I do not let anyone use my songs without my permission. My music is for causes, not for political campaigns or rallies, protecting copyright and songwriters. It's what I've been fighting for even before this current administration took office. But the problem is the American Society composed of authors and publishers, as Dana points out, was created for this type of scenario to ensure that the artist's work, in the case of Tyler, is properly protected. From sporting events to large public gatherings to political rallies, such as Trump's last night, licensing agreements allow songs to be played without it being seen as an endorsement or a violation of Lanthem Act. And Steve Miller says, Steve Tyler can return the royalty money he's made from it and revoke the licensing. Why is this a simple detail reporters refuse to talk about? Why? Yeah. Why? Just don't get paid for it, Steve Tyler. But that's how ballparks play all these songs. It's built in. Next one's Republican Matt Cartwright. I I don't even know how to say this. Has taken up deer hunting. It helps me talk to Republicans, members of Congress, too. It's a nice way to say, you know, I don't hate you. So he's trying to go out there in a very Trump district and pull a John Kerry and go duck hunting. Good positive hate. Kevin Spacey's new movie debuted, and it didn't go as planned. In 10 theaters nationwide, which means in blue cities, he grossed a total of $126. No, I didn't misspeak. Not $126,000, not $126 million, just $126. It averaged out to $13 per theater, and I think that's fucking fantastic. Fuck him. And the horse he rode in on. San Francisco restaurant mocks straws, needles, and hypocrisy. A restaurant's pointing out how absurd the city straw ban with the statement on their menu. The Sentinel, located in the city's financial district, included the following message on the bottom of their menus. Napkins, straws, and bags are available upon request. You can still get needles for free, though. Welcome to San Francisco. (laughs) Sorry, um... 
Oh, I laughed so hard I had a burp. Um, recently, just banned straws, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Having solved the city's needle homelessness and poop problem, it turns out the next great menace, disposable straws. The Sentinel owner told CBS he didn't want to start a controversy and was considering moving this statement for the menu. San Francisco's been handing out clean needles to addicts since 93, and residents have been complaining about finding them on bus seats and everywhere. And don't forget the 900 poop calls, because that's a big deal in San Francisco. You can just shit anywhere you want. Good for them. Then from the VMAs, and I put it in the hate because it's awesome. VMAs, the Queen of Pop, plays tribute to the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. I want to thank you, Aretha, for empowering all of us to R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Long live the Queen. Problem is, we're in a new level. It's 2018. What a touching tribute to Aretha Franklin, where Madonna talked about her goddamn self for 30 minutes. If it wasn't for Aretha, we wouldn't have Madonna. Madonna, Madonna's talking about guitar lessons, Paris baguettes, and her ass hanging out while she's looking for stilettos with the image of Aretha Franklin behind her. It's everything I expected from the VMAs. Does Madonna know Madonna didn't die? I'm sorry, I love Madonna, but her telling a five-minute story about herself is not the right time to honor Aretha Franklin. Wow, so shocked. VMAs Madonna presents an Aretha Franklin trip to Madonna, featuring Madonna, with Madonna and Madonna as Madonna, and the most important part about it for most of the Twitter screeds I saw, a lot of the root readers, why the fuck did a white person do this? Fuck Whitey. I'm cool with it, though, because she said she wanted to blow up the White House. After that, I'm done. I've touched Madonna's leg. Our song is crazy for you. It was our first slow dance. We still listen to it every anniversary, but at the end of the freaking day, Madonna's a nasty fucking whore. I can't stand her. She's disgusting, and yeah, I called her a whore. I'm a sexist. I don't give a fuck. Whores call Madonna a whore. Yashar Ali stop, ends our little screed on hate tweets. So Mayor Bill de Blasio is using the same slogan as Trump. Promises made, promises kept. The best part about it is he took this photo, and it was his team that did the photo. In the background are black storm clouds coming at you. And I thought that pretty much sums up the socialist that he is. The clouds represent the policies you're going to have to deal with with this fucking nut job. Hypocrisy! This is a distinctly un-American president who really doesn't seem to like America very much, certainly doesn't respect it, and he's a president who appears to be enthralled to a foreign power, a hostile foreign power. How much do you blame your former network, Fox News? You have called it a destructive propaganda machine when you resigned earlier this year. I could not be part of a channel that to me was assaulting the Constitution, the constitutional order, the rule of law. The Republican Party's gone, or at least it's dormant. What we see now 
the people supporting Trump are radicals, these couch potato anarchists. They're people that don't have a program to make America great again. And by the way, America's great right now. Rather, they're destructive. They want to tear things down. They, they want vengeance. And Trump is brilliant at that. He's done what autocrats and charlatans and false messiahs who throughout history have done. He's told his core supporters, you are not to blame. You're not to blame for the mistakes you made. You're not to blame for your failures. It's them. It's the, the minorities. It's the immigrants. It's, it's fake news. It's, it's, yeah, it's a deep yeah. state. It's a Everybody very compelling story. Fault. That soundbite pretty much sums up our media. You've seen a lot of it in the age of Trump. That is Ralph Peters. He writes good books, but i got to be quite honest. That dude hated Obama, and the things he said about Obama, he got fucking literally suspended from Fox for a while. And then he came back and he got fired from Fox for what he said about Trump. And now he's a liberal's best friend. It, it makes you think sometimes, do they really believe what they're saying? We then move on to Vox. Vox apparently wrote a fair-minded piece about GOP's obsession with Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. This may be the first and hopefully the last time we ever put Vox and fair-minded in the same sentences. This is from Jonathan Chait, who said, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez has become a breakout star in the Democratic Party since June, when she pulled off a stunning upset in New York midterm primaries, beating Joe Crowley. And not coincidentally, she has also become a white-hot epicenter of not just derision, but blistering nonsense stop criticism from conservatives and republicans the cortez is part of a new left flank a democratic party that is fighting both republicans and establishment democrats in advance of the midterms so the left pushes ocasio like some sort of popular new drug and then they surprise when the right reacts somebody decided to actually look at vox themselves and i'm sure they could do this for wapo new york times and everything it's not just the right Perhaps Vox.com could address his own obsession with Ocasio. Website searching is not an exact science, but as far as I can tell, the vast majority of these 99 references, if not at all, are in the last three months. So people chewed them up. X is the future. I'm very excited about X. X will change the country. X fucks up constantly. Why are conservatives obsessed with X? That was all from Alex Griswold. Another one he did, is the right-wing obsession not just a natural reaction to the anointing of AOC by the left? We didn't declare the next rising star and future of the Democratic Party. I remember similar takes about Lena Dunham, Parkland students, Wendy Davis, hell, even that little girl statue, lionized constantly over the glowing terms, acts confused and weirded out when conservatives obsessed about their glaring falls, flaws. AG conservative, this whole thing where the media and Dems give certain activists major platforms to brag about their influence, but then complain when people on the right engage and expose those activists is getting a little tiring. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. Need an example? The soft power impact of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's decorative collars. That's CNN politics. There it is. Ginsburg. SNL loves Ginsburg. Everybody loves Ginsburg. She's a savior for abortion. She's a star. We never hear her. We never not hear that fucking old lady who falls asleep during the fucking State of the Union. But my favorite rebuttal to all this is somebody tweeted, We are real news, Jim Acosta. <laughs> 
Mr. President, I fucked that up. Jim Acosta, we are all real news, Mr. President. That, that tweet made me just fucking, my wife was asleep and I just laughed my ass off. I was seeing it on a tablet. It was just hilarious. Next article, Deadspin roast ESPN for sticking to sports because their ratings suck. Let's break it down. Deadspin's a blog that loves to roast ESPN and many shortcomings. Robert uh, Reporter Laura Wagner criticized the worldwide leader in liberal sports, led by its new president, Jimmy Pataro, for sticking to sports and rolling over like a lapdog to please NFL Monday Night Football Master. Her, insult, in, her insults follow remarks by ESPN president Jimmy Parado that were reported in a recently published Washington Post article about the network's relationship with the National Football League. After five months in charge of ESPN, company president Jimmy Pataro got up in front of a bunch of reporters on Friday and revealed his big new vision for the network. Based on Pataro's comments, ESPN will stridely will stride boldly in the future by sticking to sports and playing lapdog to the NFL. Here he is showing his ass about the inherent and intricable relationship between sports and politics, Wagner said. If you ask me, there's a false narrative out there. I will tell you ESPN being a political organization is false. I will tell you I've been very, very clear with employee here that it's not our job to cover politics purely. It's been well documented that ESPN does go political and lists far to the left. Whether it's ESPN television, radio, or websites, the network is a Clinton and Obama-loving, Trump-hating outfit. And don't forget that Pataro appeared with Mickey Mouse in a photo, came to ESPN from Disney, a hard-left company, but he's not doing enough to please the radical leftists at Deadspin. Wagner pressed her attack of Pataro and ESPN. Pataro is so willing to willing to demonstrate that it's good partner ESPN's the NFL that he told the league that ESPN will not air the National Anthem. She just went on, I'm not going to read the rest of it, it's just a screed that they, oh, you're a fucking piece of shit! Ah! Sorry, folks. It's sports. They're going to say over and over that they didn't get hurt. We made so much money. I heard uh, Mike Golick and fucking Wingo, and they had somebody on going, yeah, everybody's saying this. Oh, no, it was Dan Lebertard. That they're not getting hurt by it. But they were. Sorry. In the middle of the country, we shut you off. I mean, I have been tepidly bringing back Golick and Wingo. And listening in the morning or watching it on ESPN Ocho or whatever the fuck they flip it on because it goes back. It's the only show on the network, I, a winning show that changes channels in the middle of the broadcast so we can watch the French Open fucking tennis match. That I don't know who the fuck watches that shit at 5 in the morning. But the point is, I'm tepidly doing it just to see where they're at because I got so sick of it. I mean, these guys are libs. They're from Connecticut. And to say they're not biased, where would Jamel Hill end up if it wasn't ESPN? Nobody would hire her. Her entire show, his and hers, was race. It belonged on MSDNC. It really did. So, I'm going to play a soundbite. I don't know where to throw it in, but this is about, basically... The whole Ben Shapiro dog whistle thing. It's going to throw it and fire for effect, but we had so much shit in the beginning that it was just hard to shove it someplace. This is another transsexual feminist icon that's a guy, as you'll hear, but looks like a girl. This one looks like a girl. And I put it in hypocrisy because, once again, of a teabagger, as they called him, put out a video about any 
liberal icon in the media, we would have heard about it, just like Rush Limbaugh and Sandra Fluke. But we didn't hear about this. And I... Well, I just don't have words. I'm just going to play it. Hey, everyone. Today we're talking about debates and whether or not you have a right to other people's time. The reason we're talking about this is because recently some conservative asshole on the internet demanded that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez debate him. He even offered her a $10,000 campaign contribution if she accepted. If you don't know who Ocasio-Cortez is, she's a progressive Democrat who recently won a huge primary against the more moderate incumbent Democrat, Joe Crowley, in New York City's 14th Congressional District. Nobody expected her to win, but her leftist value Medicare for all, tuition-free college for all, and the abolition of ICE and private prisons turned out to be super popular. She's also a member of the Democratic Socialists of America and is just an all-around badass. So she never responded to that conservative asshole's offer, but she did screenshot someone else's tweet that said she refused to debate him, and she said, Just like catcalling, I don't know a response to unsolicited requests from men with bad intentions. And also like catcalling, for some reason they feel entitled to one. Which honestly was the perfect response. He wasn't even worth a real response. And in the time since then, he has only proven her point by going off about how disrespected he's been. She has continued to ignore him while he has continuously tweeted about her and ran articles on his website about her. And the whole not letting it go and just getting angrier thing is really kind of the catcaller stuff that Ocasio-Cortez was talking about in the first place. He clearly feels entitled to her time and attention and she's refusing to give it to him, which I think sets a great example. She's a congressional candidate. She doesn't have time to debate every conservative asshole on the internet and she doesn't need to. Her job is isn't to argue with trolls who will most definitely make bad faith arguments. Her job is to represent her district and show why she's a better option than her opponent. That conservative asshole isn't from her district and isn't her opponent, and she doesn't owe him anything. But I think this gets at something deeper, which is the right's ability to harass their way into discussions because they feel entitled to everyone's time and attention. Kind of like a child screaming until you pay attention to it. They just want to annoy you enough that you have to listen to them and give them what they want, or they won't stop harassing you. It's happened to me like a million times. People randomly tell me I have to debate them, and it's just like, what planet are you living on? I've literally never done a public debate. What makes you think you're so special that I'm going to care to debate you? You think just because you exist on the internet and disagree with me that I have to debate you on your podcast and YouTube channel and every other platform where you can monetize it and use my name for publicity? Nah, that's not what I'm here for. If I agreed to debate every random internet troll, I'd be arguing all day and all night for the rest of my life, and all it would do is give them the attention they so desperately crave, while not actually doing anything to further the conversation because public debates are a terrible forum for discussing things, especially on YouTube or a podcast or any platform like that. These kinds of debates are about winning. They're about getting the this person owned this person headlines. They're not actually about having a productive conversation around any topic. They're about drumming up media attention for these conservatives whose terrible ideas would otherwise wither away because nobody wants to fucking hear about them. The only way that alt-right folks can get people to listen to their horrible ideas is to be intentionally provocative. Demand that people prove them wrong and then spend the whole conversation shifting the goalposts, moving the argument onto another point before you can prove them wrong on the first one. None of that is helpful. If you want to debate, you have every right to, but I sure as hell won't be doing it and I fully support anyone else who doesn't want to waste their time doing that. There are so many ways to discuss ideas and engage with differing viewpoints without having big flashy debates with awful people. But even if debates were an effective medium for discussing ideas, you still wouldn't have to debate anyone. Imagine if Ocasio-Cortez responded to everybody who 
challenged her to a debate. She wouldn't have any time to run her actual congressional campaign. Imagine if I just ran around challenging people who don't even know me to a debate. Like how about right now, I challenge Trump to a debate. And if he turns it down, he's a coward who hates logic and rational arguments. While I'm at it, I'll also challenge Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan to a debate. Why not? Apparently I'm allowed to just demand that politicians debate me now. I guess that's how this works all of a sudden. So remember kids, if you ever see anyone disagree with you, even if they're incredibly busy public figures or politicians, you are entitled to a debate with them. If they ignore your request for a debate, they're a coward. Do you see how ridiculous that sounds? Imagine if I now went on a Twitter tirade and published a shit ton of articles demanding that someone debate me. Like, it would just be ridiculous. It would clearly be more for show than it would be for discussing any sort of actual issue. But anyway, the point of all of this is just to say, you don't owe anyone a debate. Nobody is entitled to your time and attention. You have the freedom to decide who you want to debate or not debate. No matter how many times they tweet you or write articles about you or otherwise obsess over you and harass you, you don't owe them shit. They're desperate for the attention and if they're going to such lengths to bully you into a debate, they're probably going to be arguing in bad faith anyway. They'll try to convince you that you have to debate them, but don't fall for it. Your time is your own, and you don't owe them that. The most powerful thing you can do is denounce their ideas and ignore them. They're not even worthy of your attention. And yeah, that's all I had for you today. If you would like to support me on Patreon, you can click over here, and that would really help me out so much. You can also click up here to subscribe to my channel. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time. Now, the second aspect of that soundbite, and I want to hammer this home really hard. That's a major player, just like um, what David Duke. I mean, David, David Duke is considered considered this major player in Republican politics, right? You know, because he's a fucking KKK member. So they, they roll David Duke out every next season. You'll hear it soon. It'll come. David Duke backs this person and the media will cover it. So they're the same level. They're activists for the far extremes of their political parties. Did you hear what she was saying or he or whatever the fuck it is? Seriously, folks, it sums up where the left is disrespect because you believe you can talk to us that your view is salient and ben shapiro is a jewish guy not extreme doesn't say crazy shit he's an intellectual if you listen to him he's got a podcast youtube channel he is not me you're not going to hear him say it dude you know all that stuff I'm I'm inappropriate. I understand, but I'm sorry. I'm going to call it like it is. It's just who I am, and and I I just there's a bridge too far. I never had a problem with gay. I never had a problem with most of this stuff. I didn't have a problem with abortion until a year ago, but this transsexual thing. I'm just like whoa. I, I got statistic analysis about all. It, and I researched it for those who think I'm a flaming transphobe. I, go back and look through the catalog of this podcast. You'll see why I form my opinion on this fad that is transsexual. And await oh, the news and social media nuggets because it double whammies you with statistics. I'm not going to say it, but it's pretty amazing what's happening in the LGBT female sector. That if, the, if they were real, it wouldn't be happening biologically. Um, there's your hint. But literally... Every Republican would own it if this person was a conservative. What they just said. Because that was mainstream. That was a huge thing. It was all over. Blue checks with seltzer the whole nine yards. You had CNN fucking network, whatever, Costello. She said, oh, what a stunt. 
Because Ocasio is a Wendy Davis now. Why don't they own that? It's because there's liberal bias. How do I know there's liberal bias? Our bias 101. Not a good segue. We're going to roll into it. Tell me whenever during Obama's administration where the, all signs are pointing that the House is going to flip back to conservative, you ever heard Meet the Press this week, because it's really this week is where we're going to hear this from, and the entire panel's made up of uh, George W. H. and W. Uh, George W. <laughs> George W. and George H. sycophants getting uber wet to use an appropriate term, about the possible wave coming. You, you never did, but you'll hear the blue wave right now. If the president's concerned about self-preservation, um, you better do well in the midterms. Get ready for a bumpy ride if the Democrats take the House back in 2019. If we thought we had a fabulous 2017, an exciting time, get ready for when they have the investigative body. Setting aside impeachment, Democrats with subpoena power on the Ways and Means Committee, House Oversight Committee can create a world of hurt. Forget about impeachment. The Russia investigation and all of the stonewalling that we've seen from the Republicans uh, on, a, on a number of things that Democrats have been asking for in terms of various materials. I mean, talk about I mean, paranoid behavior we're going to see in terms of the Democrats' ability to have more access, in theory, and well, create and more trouble even, for him on that. Before you even get to Russia, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, if it's a Democrat, can get the president's tax returns. Yeah. Give it yes. to every single member well, of Congress. You can't see it, of course, because it's audio. The smiles on all their faces. Everyone from Matt Dow to George Snuffle, those are all Clinton or Obama sycophants. There was glee on their face. But they're supposed to be objective. There is no partisanship. They're journalists, and I air quoted. Our second one is just summing up what this is all about. Remember... Pulitzer Prizes started getting handed out when they took down Nixon. In my news and social media nuggets soundbite, you hear the last thing somebody says. This was a current fucking protest. All that stuff you're hearing is from right after the election at the Women's March and people in front of the tower, fuck the wall, fuck Trump, fuck the wall, all that shit. They took down Nixon. And they, they bring Nixon and Watergate in all the time. It's always Watergate. It's Nixon. That is to mentally get America prepared. You have to think about it the same. You have to get rid of this person. We hate this person. You gotta get, you gotta believe it. You gotta believe it. You gotta believe it. Cause they know, regardless of whether they own the House or the Senate or whatever, if the American people believe that the impeachment proceedings are based on bupkis, they've already seen what happened to Republicans when they did it with Clinton. They took it, they, got hit with it. They lost the House. They they took a beating in the next election. So they need public opinion to do it. But this is a New York Times writer, the paper of record, the gray lady. We are all about truth. We're not biased, even though I screed on here all the time. They've never picked a Republican for president. It's always been a Democrat. Listen to what he says about Trump and Nixon. 
Tim, in your piece, uh, you write, actually in your book, you write, the president aims to rid the government and the airwaves of his real and imagined enemies, especially anyone connected with the Russia investigation. Somewhere, Rich and Nixon may be looking up and smiling, but above ground, the special counsel is taking note. Uh, of interest here, I'm sorry, this is from the op-ed. Um, Richard Nixon may be smiling, but the fact is he might also have been smiling at Barack Obama and George W. Bush, all of whom pushed the envelope a little on, uh, on presidential and executive authority. This is, there is a danger to letting presidents continue to do that. And this president in particular, Ali, the walls are closing in on Donald Trump. He's growing more erratic, more angry, more frequently rage-tweeting at four in the morning. What if we get in a real crisis? Should this president be obeyed if he does something dangerous, issues unconstitutional orders? What do the adults in the room, mm -hmm. like Generals Kelly and Mathis, do in such a situation? Do they bow and scrape, or do they say, Mr. President, that is unconstitutional, I am throwing down my stars, I will not obey you? We may come to this, and we may come to it sooner than we fear. You'll never, ever see anybody say JFK is in hell. And if they did, you know what would happen to them? They'd lose their job. But you can say that. It's okay. It's MSDNC. That's what they are. CNN, or excuse me, Chris Hayes, ends us on a kind of positive thought. Interesting takeaway from the discussing yesterday's news with friends who are not news political junkies and persuasive sense that nothing that happens matters to Trump's fortunes, that he's impervious and that all this stuff won't matter politically. I think there's really good reason for people to think that. And I also think it's a view lots of reporters and those in the media more broadly share. But that perspective itself ends up empowering Trump because people skate very quickly past what's actually unfolding. I think there's something similar with Kavanaugh. Yes, of course, Senate GOP is going to do anything and everything in the power to confirm him as fast as they can. But it's worth just asking the question of whether they should. And yes, of course, House Republicans won't lie, lie, lie a finger, lift a finger to hold Trump accountable. But again, put that aside and just ask, what should be happening? It's interesting take from him because he's basically saying normal people say all this is bullshit. And I think it hurts their feelings because they've been in such a mode to get Trump that all of this seems like we're so close. We're on the precipice of impeachment. My God, we're going to get what we wanted. But Jeremy Stephen Dunleavy dropped a little link of knowledge on this. And I think it sums up the disappointment for the far left that they get every time this precipice comes. Historical tidbit on 61412 DOJ drop prosecution of John Edwards over his nearly one million in payments is back his backers made to support his pregnant mistress during the 2008 presidential campaign, hidden from the FEC, after a jury acquitted on one charge and deadlocked on the rest. Yeah, there it is, boys and girls. Have you heard John Edwards? He did payoffs. Me didn't have a fucking problem with that shit. Not one bit. Oh, but it's not the president. Same thing. Payoffs are not going to get an impeachment, even if you really want one. So let's segue into our stats of the day. Not a whole lot, but I think this is pretty fucking interesting because we're starting back into 
There's no way Trump can be president. Politico, Trump fails to crack a third of the vote, even among lesser-known would-be Democrat opponents, and a potential 2020 matchup. Already, he is not going to win against anybody. You can put up anybody. Steve Bullock, I don't even know who the fuck that is. But they show Trump doesn't win, Trump will never win, Trump might as well not even run. It'll keep going. Chuck Todd will sit there and say uneducated idiots will not change it, which really what this is all about. That they believe only educated voters, people with a college degree, should be able to vote. That's what they think. So most of these polls are with those people. And, of course, most of those people are from Ivy League schools and they're libs. So what do you expect? Next one, DOG released, DOJ releases emails from RBS employees joking about destroying the U.S. housing market before 2008. I take exception to the word destroy. I'm more comfortable with severely damage. thought that was interesting because they knew what they were doing. They knew. Freddie Mae, Fannie, all that shit. They, they knew. Democrats knew what they were doing. But it voted well for them. Guess what I just said? Voted. Because people voted for them. It's racist to actually have to be qualified for a... Uh, Freaking loan. And in a few minutes, we'll find out other things that are racist. It's a funny one. And lastly, because I didn't, there's not a lot of stats today. What just passed Thriller is the best selling album of all time? Yeah. The Eagles' greatest hits. It surpassed 38 million streams and sales, which, 38 million. That's pretty amazing. I'm not an Eagles fan. So, we're going to go back on the boat again for your moment. You know what? I'm going to put a different moment of Zen. We're going to give you a moment of Zen real quick. few minutes of fucking peace and tranquility. And we're going to go into our news, social, media nuggets.
Flyover Politics, the show for normal Americans. This, this, is, this is something, man. This is, this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, see these girls? No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. In our military corner, Chief Warrant Officer 3 Taylor J. Gavin, when he's on his ninth combat deployment when he died on Monday from injuries received when his helicopter crashed in Sinjar, Iraq. Gavin, 34, was an MH-60M Black Hawk helicopter pilot assigned to the 160th Airborne, excuse me, 160th Special Operation Aviation Regiment Airborne at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, the same unit that reportedly flew Navy SEALs into Pakistan for 2011 raid. Since joining the Army, Gavin had deployed twice in operation of Iraqi freedom, three times in enduring freedom, and four times in inherent Resolve. Several other service members were injured when his helicopter went down, so prayers be with his family. Iraqi veteran died shielding her kids from car. Charisma Ashley James, a 2003 graduate of New Bedford High School, died August 13th in El Paso, Texas, trying to protect her son, daughter, and another boy from getting hit by a driver who was backing out of a parking space. She passed the same way she lived as a hero, said Abe. Ian Abreu, a New Bedford City Councilor who knew James from Drama Club and Junior ROTC. An eight-year U.S. Army veteran, she served two tours in Iraq and attained a rank of sergeant, according to obituary. James' children, whom El Paso Times identified as Justice Holland 7, Jasmine Holland 6, were hurt in the incident, but able to attend a prayer vigil on Saturday. The third child, Athindra Sahith Kumar 10, remained at El Paso Children's Hospital. Prayers be with her family. Three defense contractors received Medal of Valor for fighting off insurgents in Afghanistan. Retired Army Master Sergeant William Timothy Nix, retired Army Chief Warrant Officer Anthony Dunn, and retired Army Chief Warrant Officer Brandon Ray Seabolt were honored with the Medal of Valor on August 14th for exceptional gallantry in the action against an armed enemy. On 7th August 2015, Nix and Dunn were supporting NATO Special Operations Component Command Afghanistan on Camp Integrity near Kabul when a vehicle-borne IED struck the base entrance, heralding their rival insurgents armed with hand grenades and suicide vests. The insurgents blew the whole front of the camp. The gate came off. It collapsed. The guard cat tower came down. Dunn recalled. Following the explosion, Dunn and Nix rushed to support U.S. Army personnel battling insurgents who had breached the perimeter. I just grabbed a weapon and ran out, Nix said at the end of the award ceremony. The citation praises the duo, heroism for exposing themselves to direct enemy fire, hand grenades, suicide vests, and other explosives to suppress insurgents who had breached the camp. Seabolt, a counter-ID expert with Joint Improvised Threat Defeat Agency, earned his Medal of Valor for his ac- action during an attack near Hellman 
Hillman on December 7, 2015. His citation states that he single-handedly fended off the insurgent onslaught until the return of other team members, according to DOD release. Mr. Seabolt's bravery and confidence instilled courage among the entire force, resulting in effective fires on the target, softening the objective and allowing the recovery force to approach with little resistance. Even after uniform, still kicking that ass. Good for them. Top Gun sequel filming aboard Norfolk Base aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln. Stylistically, it'll be the same, Cruz said in the interview. We'll have big, fast machines. It's going to be a com- competition film like the first one. And it's going to be in the same vein, the same tone as the first one, but a progression for Maverick. A 15-person crew from Paramount Pictures and Bruckheimer Films went aboard the Lincoln on Sunday and will remain through Saturday. Naval Air Force Atlantic spokesman Commander Dave Heck said no actors are aboard and that the crew is shooting footage on the flight deck of air operations while including F.A. 18 Super Hornets for Virginia Beach-based Carrier Air Wing 7 takeoff and landing as part of their carrier qualification. This opportunity is one of many aircraft carrier embarks planned pier side at the sea on both coasts coordinated by the Commander Naval Air Forces, Heck said in an email. Top Gun inspired countless men and women to volunteer to protect and defend our country and naval aviators, and the crew of the USS Abraham Lincoln are ex- excited to play a small role in bringing this story back to the silver screen and inspiring another generation to serve in the world's finest, where it's a fucking adventure. Michael Singer, a publicist with Jerry Bruckheimer Film and Television, declined to provide any details about the production. In July, Variety reported that only the brave star, Miles Teller, was tapped to play the son of Goose and his crew's new protege in the sequel. In the original film, Goose was played by Anthony Edwards, and Maverick fucking killed him! Cruz also said... On The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon last month, that Val Kimmer, Kilmer, who played Cruz's rival, Iceman, in the original film, would return for the sequel and be a flaming cock. Hmm. Huppo gets me fired up, because here we are. Military displays of pro-sporting events threaten democracy, they say, and let's break it down. Neither foreign powers nor terrorists are a greatest threat, according to William Astor's Huffington Post blog. The retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel and history professor appears to have torched his bridge with the military and warns that the patriotic and military displays of professional sporting events are a big threat to democracy. Following the lead of ESPN writer Howard Bryant, who wrote a book on the topic, Astor admits he's not the first to warn about the dangers of mixing sports with the military, especially in corporate-controlled blenders. These attack, Astor writes, go back to 2003 when Norman Mailer warned, the dire prospect that opens, therefore, is the America is going to become a mega banana republic where the army will have more and more importance in American lives. Democracy is a special condition, a condition we will call upon to defend in the coming years. That will be enormously difficult because the combination of corporations, the military, and the complete investor of the flag with mass spectator f- sports has set up a pre fantastic atmosphere in America already. Astor says now that the dire prospects has been realized through the combination of corporations, military, and mass spectator sports, all wrapped in a gigantic version of the Stars and Stripes, has increasingly come to define what it means to be an American. Now that the country also has its own self-styled strongman president, enabled, ah, that's it. It's about 
fucking Trump, you fuckers. Americans are forced to stomach pro athletes wearing camouflage uniforms and hats on Military Appreciation Day, along with Air Force Navy flyovers, parades, and the barely tolerable reunions of service members returning from our country's war zones and surprising their families. Oh, that's barely tolerable. It's so fucking horrible. There's also a multitude of other increasingly militarized ceremonies that he detests. Also repulsive to his oversensitive progressives are playing fields covered by gigantic American flags and furled by military personnel or civilian defense contractors and other Pentagon-paid ceremonies. The meddling of sports and the military should be, be seen as inappropriate, if not insidious. Really? Meanwhile, taking a stand or a knee, being an agent of dissent, protesting against injustice is increasingly seen as the very definition of unpatriotic. Indeed, players with the guts to protest American life as it is are regularly castigated as sons of bitches by our sports and military-loving president. Professional sports owners certainly know that this militarized brand of patriotism sells, while the version embodied in the kind of controversial stances by, taken by Kaepernick angers and alienates many fans, ultimately threatening their professions. Astor rips the corporate sports military partners as some version of Dwight D. Eisenhower's old military industrial complex, which liberals jerk off to every night, that little speech, enlists sports to make military look good and normal and even cool. Sports teams are slavishly pro-military, athletes lacking the courage of the late Pat Tillman and are driven to sports the military out of guilt. Corporate-owned sports teams are now actively colluding with the military to redefine patriotism in ways that work to their mutual advantage. They're complicit in taking a select, jingostic form of patriotism and weaponizing it to suppress dissent, including against the military-industrial complex and America's never-ending wars. What is largely kept from us are the murderous costs of empire, the dead and maimed soldiers, the innocent slaughtered by those same combat jets. Questioning this is bad, wrong, and unpatriotic. When Astor sees the jet flyover and large flags, he sees 17 years of mismanaged wars and corporations profiting. The assault goes on. Sports should be about fun, about joy, passion, and sharing, about the thrill of competition, the splendor of human condition, and so much more. We're doing a disservice to ourselves. We're weakening the integrity of democracy in America. We can afford to lose a ball game. We can't afford to lose our country. Astor is extremely begrudgingly of the surprising family union of Sergeant Cole Condiff and his wife and family. Such stage reunions have become a regular aspect of major sporting events considering this heart-melting example for the Milwaukee Brewers game and are obviously meant to tug at the heartstrings. These are propagandist version of cheap grace. Yeah. It's all evil. It's just fucking evil. What is wrong with respecting our military? What is wrong about loving this country and its flag, regardless of its errors. What is wrong with that? Why do you guys hate America so much? And how did this sorry motherfucker become a lieutenant colonel if he had that view about the country? He didn't have a problem taking pay for 20 years to be a soldier, but now he has a problem for us respecting soldiers? People like you are motherfuckers. So I'm going to play it as... The only way I can was Samuel L. And then we're going to go into our soundbite, which is on this same vein. Some industrious little conservative went out and asked millennials if America's great. And people like this, who meld their minds, 
Yeah, they think America's a sucking steam pile of shit. This week, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo stirred up controversy by saying America has never been great. What do young people think about that claim? Let's find out. Governor Cuomo came out here in New York at an event and said that the slogan Make America Great Again is flawed because it implies America was great at some point. So we've been asking people their take. Do you think America has ever been truly great? I don't believe America has been great for all folks ever, even today. I would have to agree with Governor Cuomo. Can you point to a time or do you think there was a time when America was great? I mean, not particularly. The idea that there was a once great America is, you know, pointing towards this false sense of nationalism that, you know, what is talking about white America? You know, it's, yeah, it's not great. I think it has been great for straight white men for a very long time. Do you think that there is a time you can point to where America was great? I don't know. <laughs> Honestly. Hmm. That's a good one. Um... Not great, but, like, there was definitely some progress. <laughs> and I think we're just regret uh, going through aggression now. It was never really great, but we do do, like, great things sometimes. Like, we fix a lot of problems, but it's never just been wholly great. Was American exceptionalism taught in the classroom, or do you know what that is? No. No, it was not. No, I do not. Okay. And is that a phrase that you're familiar with? I've never heard it before. Okay. I personally wasn't taught American exceptionalism because I went to a very like, forward-thinking liberal school here in the city. Uh, I don't think I've heard that term before in class. Were your professors and your teachers teaching you the idea that America was great and, and was the best, or was it kind of the opposite? It was kind of the opposite. All of my history teachers have like ignored the fact that they're not supposed to like put their like political views on us but they have my view of america in school was that it is the greatest thing ever and then once i like i guess went to college and learned about other nations you kind of learn from a different perspective so our history let's see we go from like sort of a native genocide to slavery to uh slavery by different name to slavery by different name again we've never been a truly truly able to like practice what we preach uh you know it's all non-existent fantasy that we're trying to achieve and uh you know what makes america great is the you know it's the multi-pod culture it's the fact that we are so we come from so many different pieces and places and we're just a conglomerate of things do you think america was ever great to start with I do got it yes and what time in our history would you point to as america having been great um it's always been great I have a simple suggestion to all of you. Leave. Just move away. If America's so fucked up, leave. But you know why you don't? Because it's the only place in the world that you can say that sawed-off bullshit and not get thrown in jail, executed. I mean, 
We're talking about banana republics. We are one now because Trump's president. But in those republics, you don't get to run your cock trap like you do now. Or get to come up with the crazy crazy. Last podcast, I had the angels singing, Oh, we have atheist microaggressions. Well, the left social justice warrior camp has outdone themselves. I first saw this from Eddie McClintock. Healthline says using the term vagina is not gender-inclusive languages, and they come up with a new phrase. And here's the article. It's important for safe sex guides, sex guides to become more inclusive for the LGBTQIA, EIEIO, cosine of four, and non-binary people, the guide states. Healthline has claimed health disparities and higher rates of HIV and STIs observed in LGBTQIAIO communities are due to discrimination in the sex ed world. So the California-based health information provider has adopted the gender-inclusive term front hole in place of the medical term vagina. And their latest sex guide, for the purpose of this guide, will refer to the vagina as the front hole instead of solely using the medical term vagina. The document explains, this is gender-inclusive language that considerate of the fact that some trans people don't identify with labels a medical community attached to their genitals. For example, some trans and non-binary identify people assigned female at birth may enjoy being the receptor of penetrative sex but experience gender dysphoria when the part of their body is referred to using a word that society and professional communities often associate with femaleness. An alternative that's becoming increasingly popular in the trans and queer community is front hole. The document went on to claim lack of representation and anti-LGBTQEIO bias is standard safe sex guides stigmatize certain sexual behaviors and identities and directly related to higher rates of HIV and STIs reported with this community. The guide goes on to suggest it's imperative for safe sex guides to become more inclusive of these idiots and their experiences. This will help address barriers to accessing care and effective education tools while simultaneously normalizing and acknowledging the true diversity that exists with regards to gender and sexuality. Sorry, ladies, the term vagina is quickly becoming a bigoted word, as is often the case with transgender ideology. Its greatest impact is on women and girls. Men and women are inherently different, and women will pay an especially high price if we continue to pretend otherwise, this article says. But I have to say, what the fuck? Front hole? Really? That's a medical term? Front hole. That's your mouth. Not your vagina. Tweets for this, the front hole monologues, Dear Social Justice Brigade, feel free to use front hole to describe your own situation. Rather fitting, actually, the rest of us will use the English language, signed, Women with a Vagina. I explained to Dr. SJ that the word vagina is no longer acceptable and she would have to use the word front hole from now. She told me to make my own dinner and handed me a jar of tapenade that expired eight years ago. Activists concerned about transphobia seek to rename vagina front hole that it thought it was satire, but no. Why are we renaming vaginas to front hole for trans men and not renaming penises for trans women? 
That was a serious person that was offended by all this. Because in the intersectionality social justice world, you're always fucked. Nothing you can say is right. If the vagina is now the front hole, then the penis must be the front pole. And I went, bum-bum-bum. Really? The front hole. We're going to redo biology across the board, and now you can't even say vagina. What the fuck is wrong with you people? And why do we spend all this time worrying about pronouns and actual terms to facilitate dudes with dicks that think they're girls? Really? Really? Once they change their dick to a vagina, why don't we just say vagina? That's the whole thing. I mean, Vanderbilt's opening a whole sex change wing because they want to get down and be all sorts of woke. Man, you fucking people. Continuing in our college crazy, NSM hands out $450 million to encourage Hispanic STEM students. So in proper prog world, if you can't get the results you want, you change tests, as we learned in the last podcast, and throw fucking money at it. Along with them, UCLA was paying 20 people to be diversity advocates and be basically a police force to report anybody that's not PC. Well, now they realize it's not enough, so they're going to throw more money at it, and they're going to put an additional 42000 to get 40 people to go around and push diversity. Hmm. That's it. Throw money. It works. Pierre Savage Sunner brings our next one, and this is going to be prefaced with my all-inclusive best fucking soundbite ever because milk racist was the highest form of racist we've changed it so i'm not going to play the soundbite but i used to have one for milk is racist a literal concept in the sjw white people are bad world well this guy brings it to the next level white people can't wait to put their grocery divider on the conveyor belt at kroger Bitch, I don't want yo raisins to close to my ramen noodles anyway. Of course. Then when we saw people on this tweeting taking it seriously and claiming that putting the grocery divider up is racist, we stopped thinking it's funny. Dude, who has time to sit around and come up with this amount of crazy, somebody asked. Another person, how is putting a divider up micro-passive-aggressive? The grocery divider is there for the reason to separate one customer's goods from another, and all races use it. Latin, white, black. Guess every race is now passive-aggressive. Are you fucking shitting me? The plastic divider on a, a belt? You know, if you sit and look for racism all the time, you're going to find everything is racist. And it still goes back to what I keep saying. If everything's racist, what is racist? We don't have a whole lot of real racism anymore. You don't see huge fucking articles and all this. It's perceived. We've microaggressioned them down. We've took it to every word. Yeah. If you hate white people, everything they do will be racist to you. That's what racists that are white do towards black people. It's a revolving circle of fucking bigotry. You're idiots. Professor claims strict ID laws disenfranchise, no, no, not black people, transgender people. I'm not shitting. This is a real thing. A research institute at UCLA School of Law estimates at least 78,000 transgender individuals could face disenfranchisement 
due to a strict voter ID law in eight states. The report argues that obtaining an accurate ID after gender, gender transition can be difficult and expensive. Though seven of the states that it cites actually offer free identification cards, it's still too much for them to have to do. Yeah. Okay. And it's because not every state's getting in the stupid, like Europe with diverse, X is a gender now instead of male or female. Yeah. Okay. If you need those 78,000 votes, maybe you should change your policies. I'm just throwing them out there. 78,000 people. We go through all this bullshit. People lose their job for saying inappropriate shit like I do on this podcast. For 78,000 wahoos with a mental disease. That's what it is. It's a fucking fad. How do I know that? As prefaced. Lesbian teens are getting pregnant more than twice as often as their peers. Let that sit in for a second. What have I said on this show? It's a fad. It's cool. It gets kids' attention if they're trans or gay. So they do it, but then they still go, fuck. Okay, let's read the article. Statistics show that women who identify as lesbian become pregnant at a much higher rate than straight women and homosexual men are impregnating women at a significant greater percentage than heterosexual men. Minneapolis Star Tribune graphic visually illustrates the disparity in its fucking huge questioning gay and lesbian, bisexual. The percentage is insanely higher than straight people. The pregnancy rates are verified by studies in several nations, all showing that homosexual pregnancy rates are two to seven times higher than heterosexual pregnancy rates. And pro-homosexual organizations acknowledge that unintended pregnancy is huge in LGBT youth. Additionally, both male and female homosexuals are significantly more sexually active than heterosexuals. The Federalist Glenn T. Stanton noted that with pregnancy rates among homosexuals as much as seven times greater than heterosexual, that's a great deal of pregnancy possible sex going on among teens and adults who are supposedly born that way to want non-pregnancy possible sex. They're born that way. Remember, Gaga told us. The media tells us. He continued, we must ask what's going in the emotional lives of these individuals that has them behaving in such a hyper-sexualized manner. What emptiness are they seeking to fill? Their own dignities and well-beyond demands honest investigation. Free of ideological assumptions. It'll never happen. The media will never cover this. Drug and alcohol abuse before and during sex was rampant amongst these LGBTQ youth, according to the statistics, especially among males. Homosexual activists blame the promiscuity and pregnancy stats on outside influences as societal rejection, peer pressure, and non-accepting home environments. Other point to insufficient sex ed for gay youth. To help solve the problem, the gay mafia want legislator to give more money to Planned Parenthood. Yeah. $18 million to stop this. Conservative critics complain that not only is the government answer simply to throw money at the problem, but to throw money in the hands of an organization that promotes promiscuity, and they're right. They say, go fuck everything, we'll make you pay us to abort it. Yeah, that's their thing. But, 
What the fuck, Chuck? If they're born to be gay and they don't want to have sex with the opposite sex. If they are not the sex they are and they want to change their sex. Why are they having so much sex? Could it be what we talked about? Horrible home life, being sexually abused, and the mental illness that is transsexualism. You have a disease. You don't know who you are. You think that the panacea to fix your emptiness is to chop your dick off and make it a vagina. And once again, it's a fad. This is what the cool kids do. This is why majority of kids don't fucking identify as hetero right now. Those surveys are bullshit. They want to be cool. Then put on the added pressure of learning institutes and the fucking media basically saying these people are protected class. You can't say anything about it. You can't say anything negative like I do on the show. And these kids are caught in a fucking rock and a hard place. They have to accept that this is the coolest thing since ever. And I have a child that's like that. My daughter will hate me for saying that. She thinks gay and LGBT is the coolest thing fucking ever. But I'll honestly say she never brought a girl to this house. I never saw her with a girl. She considers herself gay. Or bi. It's cool. It's what the cool kids do. To make it even worse, yeah, we back it up with this story. Faith-based women's shelter and legal battle over turning away a woman who identified as a woman, but it was a guy. And nobody in this shelter wanted this person in there at night, so they let him come in and change clothes and do whatever he needed to do, but they didn't want him to live there. These are women that were fucking beaten by men. There you go. There you go. It's fucking unbelievable. So they're going to get fucking sued because they won't let a dude go into a battered wife's... I'm telling you, that article's spot on. All this transgender shit, it hurts women. But the libs have moved past it. They don't care about African Americans anymore. They think about gay and transgender. They don't give a fuck about women's rights. They only think about dudes with front holes. What the fuck? USA for Trump, I don't follow the guy, but I thought this was a good tweet. Left, a man can't talk about abortion since he doesn't have a uterus. Also left, a man can be a woman even if he doesn't have a uterus. That sums up the logic. It's fucking Excel spreadsheet. Then we have peak stupid SJW. I don't know what this fixes, but they feel really good about themselves. Associated Pressed, and you probably already heard it. Nabisco animal crackers to break out of their cages a new box designed after pressure from PETA. After more than a century behind bars, the cookies can roam free. The cookies can roam free. A cookie that is designed for me to chop its fucking head off. That's not the problem. That it's shaped like animals. That it need to be free. No, no, no. It's the pretend cartoon cage in front of the animal on the box. We need to fix that. PETA. When PETA reached out after Barnum and we saw this. Another great opportunity to continue to keep this brand modern and contemporary. Said Mendela's, Mandela's chief marketing officer, North American Jace Levin, in a statement to AP. 
Yeah, that's gonna fucking help the world right there. Man, what the fuck is wrong with you? Then, in the PC social justice world, because it's not a bunch of conservatives playing these games, did feminists kill a franchise Battlefield 5 project to be serious disappointment and after a female character? They literally were forced to put a female person in there. It's a horrible character. It fucked the game up, and all these people are pissed the fuck off. But they can get away with it, because they're liberals. So, yeah. Now to abortion, and you knew this was coming. Oprah Winfrey promotes Shout Your Abortion movement where women brag about their abortion. In July issue of O Magazine featured Shout Your Abortion founder Amelia Bono in its inspiration section. Bono, who began the campaign to urge women to brag about killing babies, soon will be coming out with a new book by the same title, Shout Your Abortion. She told the magazine, when I found out that the House of Representatives had voted to defund Planned Parenthood, I kind of unraveled. I opened Facebook and without thinking wrote, like a year ago, and an abortion of PPFA, and I remember this experience with a nearly inexpressible level of gratitude. I hit post 153 words later, and everything changed. She continued, Bono said the campaign really took off when a friend shared her post on Twitter with the hashtag, Shout Out Your Baby Murder! Really, it's shout out your abortion. On same level, I'd internalize the stigma, though I honestly wasn't ashamed. Then why hide it? It was out of character for me to disclose something so personal online. What was out of character was my silence. She blamed the pro-life movement for trying to silence women who've had an abortion, saying the anti-choice movement wants it to be terrifying to speak the truth because we can't advocate for something we can't say out loud. But the more of us who speak out, the clearer it becomes that all sorts of people have abortions, include people you love. But it's really not our own movement, the pro-abortion movement that silences women whose abortion stories do not fit their narrative. Bono's pro-abortion campaign is not the first abortion storytelling movement either. Long ago, pro-life advocates recognized the power of individual people and their stories in the abortion debate. The Silent No More Awareness campaign is just one example of many pro-life storytelling outreaches. and encourages people to experience pain and regret for their abortion to share the stories publicly. And its website documents thousands of stories of mothers, fathers, grandfather, parents, and others who experience deep pain because the baby was killed. O Magazine is doing a disservice to its reader by promoting this bullshit and really it has nothing to do with pro-life. Nothing. It has nothing to do with that. There is a stigma when you kill a baby. There should be a stigma and if we go off the fucking pre-packaged, poll-tested abortion should be Safe, legal, and infrequent. That's what they used to say. Now it's abortion should be free, paid for by red staters, and be able to be done when they're toddlers. That's that's the left. They've gone that far to fight back at those evil people, which is the majority of America who see abortion after 20 weeks to be evil. Not because they're Christians. Not because they're conservatives, because it is evil. If you don't want the baby, morning after pill. But we don't do that. We just don't. And and the saddest thing is, go back to the last podcast. Millennials are not with them. Millennial females are not with them. But you can't tell that on MSDNC, 
they actually show the support once again of abortion. They don't say it right. They say that everybody in America wants abortion. They lie about the 76 poll, but the 76% poll was about Roe v. Wade. 76% of the country do not believe you should ban abortion. It should be legal. They don't believe you should have unfettered abortion. But Chris Janzing, that's not what she did. She rolled it out as everybody's with us. Kill that motherfucking baby when it's crowning. I don't want it. Stab it in the head like China. They're all for it. That's what the far left believes. And if we had elected Hillary Clinton, it would be paid for by federal funding. But I submit to all of you liberals out there, it's already happening. The morning after pill is against the Hyde Amendment, but PPFA hands out 776,000. And for those that doubt me, go look at their own fucking results. They put it out. It's called an emergency concert contraception kit. A fancy, fancy colloquial for chemical abortion. That's all it is. All it takes is a little research and you find out it's all fucking lies. So I didn't have any crazy crime shit. And that's our news and social media nuggets. We're going to go out with a great soundbite brought to you by Matt in Oregon because he turned me on to Adam Calhoun. He's right. Liberal parents are killing America. Hey, buddy. You think you can clean your room for me? Why don't you go clean your room? Get the hell out! This is not, this is not okay. Listen here, bitch! You're not in my real dad! Oh my god, dad, dad! We just got a flat tire! Oh, what do I do, dad? Ah! Honey? Stop freaking out. I'm sure they make an app for this. Wait, like the tire's actually flat? You're freaking out! I'm freaking out! Excuse me, pay attention, watch. This is how you change it. Hey, hey, get on YouTube! You gotta use this! Stop yelling, get on YouTube. Less than three minutes, you got this! I got this! You got this! I got this! Wanna be on the pit crew in NASCAR? Yeah! Taman, didn't I tell you to clean your room? Yeah, after this game. What do you mean, after the game? You're gonna clean it right now! Okay, I'll clean it right now. And do some laundry, your room smells like sweaty balls! (coughs) What's going on, little man? Or girl, or... Whatever you kids are identifying as these days. I'm just here uh, supporting Black Lives Matter and to protest white privilege. My name is Pegasus Moon Pie Shamwell. I'm also here to resist white supremacy. <laughs> wow. Slow down, sissy pants. I'll donate to your cause with my hard-earned money, but you tell me where it's going. We're going to use the money to buy vapes for our resist crew. These little guys, fidget spinners. I literally, this is, you are white, right? You're an idiot, and your parents are idiots. They need to beat you. How about you go get a job? Funny, funny shit. So we have two sound bites to end the show. The first one is the primer that I would use if I was arguing with anybody. Um, During all of Obama, when things might have looked bad, The media said none of them were important. They wouldn't cover them. They ignored them. In a million years, you never heard Fox News talk about impeachment. When there were things in there that people could say, well, that's impeachable offense, just like we do with Trump right now. Everything's impeachable with Trump. So why wouldn't the same thing be for Obama? But MSDNC literally ran this. That Veshi guy who admitted last podcast that his 
the idea of all these crazy outlandish left-wing shit that most people go, well, that's pretty far left. It's kind of like listening to a guy on the right. That's normal. I'm Canadian. This is just normal policies. This is what we should be. This is normal world. He did it. And he's wrong. That's not how the process works. But I'm going to play it. Take it and hand it to your liberal friend and just say, would you ever see this for a Democrat? And the answer is no. Let's take a look at the process of impeachment. First of all, the House of Representatives. Okay, let's do that. Now, let's put let's open that up. There we go. All right. First of all, the House of Representatives draws up articles of impeachment. Think of uh, the House as the prosecutor. The document details any, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors that the president is believed to be guilty of. Only the House can bring charges against a president, but any individual congressperson can start this process. Next, the House votes. At least two-thirds of the chamber has to approve the impeachment. 288 votes as it's currently constituted since there are four vacancies in the House right now. This is a high bar, making many impeachment proceedings a bipartisan effort. Neither party can do it on their own. Once the House approves the articles of impeachment, the matter goes to the Senate, which acts more like a courtroom. The Senate tries the case and votes, acting as defense, judge, and jury. Again, the threshold threshold is two-thirds. So even half the chamber uh, voting to impeach uh, would still acquit the president. Two-thirds of the Senate, 60 as it stands right now, are needed to vote guilty for impeachment. Uh, If they do, the president is removed from office. The vice president would then take his place. A number of you sent me uh, information about something I made a mistake on in the last segment, so I want to correct that real quick. To impeach the president, the House needs only a simple majority, not two-thirds. The House needs a simple majority. The Senate does need a two-thirds majority, but that would be 67 of the senators, 66 of the senators, 67. Someone will help you with the math on that, but the fact is it's two-thirds of 107 senators, depending on how many seats in the Senate are actually filled at any given time. So thank you to those of you who sent that information. The problem is articles for impeachment have already been offered up like four times for extenuating stupid shit. And I think the problem the left's going to run into is what I've talked about on this show. By now, it's hard to take anything serious. When you breaking news, everything, you have so many smoking guns. There's like a arms room full of smoking guns by this point in the 19, 20 months that he's been president of things that are supposed to take the president down and none of them do. I mean, let's just go back to the grab the fucking front hole since that's the way we have to say it now and I'm just going to do it to be a smart ass. Grab the front hole video. He still won the presidency. It pretty much shows you the American people are looking at most of you, Chuck Todd, Brian Seltzer, all these fucking icons, as beware the Ides of March guy from Shakespeare. Nobody pays attention. Caesar ends up getting killed, but in this case, Caesar isn't going to. Even if you have it, the American people are going to say no. It has to be severe, and they're not the same country. Richard Nixon was probably not going to be impeached. I've heard people say he was going to. I've heard other people say he probably wouldn't. It it wouldn't have worked out the way they wanted it, and he probably wouldn't. But he had honor, and he resigned because he just didn't want to ruin the country, blah, 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 blah. So, let's fast forward, what, fucking 60 years, and where are we at? I guess 50 years. 
Where are we at? It's a partisan country. It's been made partisan, yes, by the 2000 election, by the Democratic Party. We are now to a point that people like me, conservative independent, we're angry. I don't act on my anger, go out in the street and beat people like the left does, but I get angry. I get perturbed by some of the shit I hear, front holes and all the angst that's coming out about every conservative president. I mean, the moment I literally researched back to fucking 60s and found that every Republican presidential candidate was a racist and a Nazi in our media, it made me more angry. And then they do these interviews with these late night people that are projecting our popular culture to generations of youth. Every time it's glaringly left-leaning with, you know, the last one with that fucking idiot on fucking NBC talking to Warren about, isn't it great that the party's caught up with your fucking crazy, you didn't build that socialism. And then you get Jimmy Kimmel, a normal guy, pretty funny. I used to watch fucking the man show with the juggies. I mean, I thought the dude was hilarious and how far he's gone over this time because he hates Trump. And then he does an interview about those voters, and he says, we don't live in that world. Well, listen to this soundbite. Jimmy Kimmel apologizes for his jabs at Sean Hannity and to the LGBTQ community. Now I have to say something about it. After days of bickering, Kimmel attempts to end his feud with the Fox News host. On Sunday, Kimmel released a statement on Twitter, writing in part, quote, While I admit I did have fun with our back and forth, after some thought, I realized that the level of vitriol from all sides, mine and me included, does nothing good for anyone and, in fact, is harmful to our country. About this and that. (laughs) About this and that. It first started when Hannity took offense to Kimmel poking fun at First Lady Melania Trump's accent. Poor little Jimmy, he can't stomach the fact that we dared to call him out for smearing the First Lady Melania Trump when he was mocking her accent as she was reading to little children. Kimmel eventually received death threats toward his family. And many in the LGBTQ community took offense to this response during a Twitter war with Hannity after the Fox commentator referred to Kimmel as Harvey Weinstein Jr. Quote, don't worry, just keep tweeting. You'll get back on top or does Trump prefer you on bottom? Kimmel apologized, writing, By lampooning Sean Hannity's deference to the president, I most certainly did not intend to belittle or upset members of the gay community, and to those who took offense, I apologize. Hannity has since responded to Kimmel's lengthy message, stating he plans to issue a full and comprehensive response on his show Monday. So there's a soundbite, and here's the article that accompanies us. Far-left comic and late-night ABC host, Jimmy Kimmel has often used his monologue in other segments during Kimmel Live as a platform to mock and attack President Trump, and that campaign had a new low when the comedian told Daily Beast Matt Wilston that ABC would love it if my show appealed to everyone, but I don't think that world exists anymore. But even if it did exist, Kimmel said, he would not be comfortable in it since I don't really see any other path to follow for the week weeknight programming. Wilston began noting, as 
It is ha- as it has for most late-night hosts, the Trump administration has kept Kimmel on his toes, providing a never-ending stream of hilarious and or terrifying news stories for him to joke and or cry about in his nightly monologue. The show never really finished until I'm standing on the stage, Kimmel stated, and it's pain in the ass, quite friendly, to be writing a monologue an hour before the show starts, but we do it a lot now. However, I'd also think one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a performer is trying to guess what your audience wants. I think you need to do what you think is right and hope that it works out. Wilston then stated, the narrative is that you've gotten more political, more serious over the past couple of years. Do you feel like Trump has been the catalyst? 100%, because one of the things you look for as a talk show host is a point of reference. You don't want to have to spend three minutes explaining a story to your audience. And if there is anything good about Trump, it's that people are paying attention to what's going on in the White House. And you can make jokes about subjects that people might not have been paying attention to when Obama was president or even Bush. Because Trump is such a colorful character and there's so much attention put on everything he says and does, that makes it ideal for comedy, the liberal host noted before adding, you don't have to set up the setup. Wilson also noted, in terms of effect of politics on your own ratings, I know you've said it's people who disagree with you, don't watch you, you don't particularly particularly care, but has that ever been an issue for ABC? Maybe I should have said I don't care. I don't care enough to change what I'm doing is probably a more explicit explanation. Kimmel also took on Hannity, and we heard that in the soundbite. I hate him because he's right. And it's not because of Trump. It's not because of conservatives. It's because of the left. Their reaction to losing an election they thought they had in a bag and they coasted to the finish line have taken us in territory that I speak about all the time on the show. There's no going back. The vitriol and rancor, the hate for fellow Americans displayed in the first hour of this show, we're never going back. It's not going to change. If the midterms don't turn into 100% winning for the Democratic Party, there'll be more violence. There'll be more protest. There'll be more people beaten in the street for not agreeing with what the left believes. It permeates social media. It permeates people's workplaces. The left has won on the aspect of shutting down dissent. We can't do it on social media. We get banned for the most inane things. If it's perceived as a disrespect to a liberal icon, you get blocked. You get shadow banned. Or you get suspended. Workplace, you can say all the sick shit you want about conservatives. Third of women. You can be racist. You can be Alec Baldwin and say fucking horrible shit. You get a seat at the table. And I don't think they understand how far they've taken it. The baby steps started by Barack Hussein Obama on the bully pulpit for eight years of hate thy neighbor. We're living it right now. It's outright out of control, man. It's scary. And there is no going back. That world doesn't exist. Not only for the Kimmels who hate everybody in the country that don't agree with them, but for the people that are being hated. I talk to a lot of people, they're just like me, 
at least where I live. There's whole areas of the TV dial I won't even watch ever again. It'll never, I'll never watch CNN. I'll never watch MSNBC anymore. I won't watch most of the TV shows that are coming out. They have alienated a large percentage of the country. And those in the far left will say, oh, you're just a minority. No, we're not. We are who we are. We make up a larger percentage. The non-far-left fucking crazy progressive resistance socialist mob that is dictating what we say, how we think, what we can believe, the food we can eat, the straws we can use. You're the minority. You win because the media is on your side, so you get away with it and you get to push your crazy. But we are the people in the we the people. If we went the way the left wants, we wouldn't be the United States of America anymore. We'd be the Socialist Republic of America. We'd have a pull-up bureau, and it won't be, you know, love the motherland. It'll be love our cause of the weak. So, thought it was a sad soundbite that didn't turn out to be the soundbite I wanted. But he's right. We can't go back there. It's forever gone. So, before we close out, I want to thank the listeners. Uh, San Jose, this month, you've blown my shit up, and I love you. 450 listens out of San Jose. That's just on SoundCloud. Overnight, 450 listens, which wasn't the same. Um, it was different podcast up and down the scale. Um, this month has been an epic month, and I thank you all once again. I thank you for listening. It makes it uh, worthwhile. I, you know, I do this for family and friends and all that kind of stuff. But when you really break it down, um, it, it's just amazing when it's listened to. Uh, it makes it worthwhile, and I, I hope at least for these almost three hours, it's at least entertaining, whether you, you drink the Kool-Aid I drink or you drink a totally different Kool-Aid. I hope at least you get a couple chuckles or it gets you fired up and you hate me. Uh, whatever it is, I enjoy the feedback by just seeing people listening, at least through the SoundCloud app. Um, I don't get to see all the other ones, but it's been very, very awesome. So thanks a lot. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send comments if you hate me or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast at gmail.com you can get this show on soundcloud podcast addict TuneIn radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher remember check out the flyover politic webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com foppodcast.com to see links to feeds for the show links to the facebook page and email us there you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page going to shoot for a 28 August, Year of Our Lord 2018 podcast. It'll be next Tuesday. And that should be uh, my second to last. I'll close out um, on the... uh, Well, no, I could probably get a couple more in. What am I thinking? The 28th, try to shoot for the 3rd. And get one out the 6th um, of September. Because as I played for our mellowing sounds in the second break the beach i'll be making my yearly pilgrimage to pensacola 
with my lovely lady and take a five-day vacation on the beach, even though I've been on a permanent vacation because I'm not working. Um, it'll be a real vacation where I'll smoke some Liga Pravada flying pig cigars, have some beer because I really don't drink, but I'll drink some Natty Light. I know it sucks, but it brings me back to my youth when that's all I can afford. And enjoy the beautiful uh, Gulf of Mexico for those five days. So... Um, I will go dark for that full week and give you a break and hopefully you can catch up on the older podcast. Remember, this thing goes back for two years. So uh, the first, uh, I think, 14 are not on. It's 15 and, or beyond or first 13 aren't on. Um, those ones were done on an I, you know, on my uh, Android phone, so they didn't sound as great. I didn't have a microphone um, or even remotely what would resemble a studio. A lot of silly skits and weird shit that were in there. Um, but those other ones go all the way back. It's a lot of references all the way through the election, et cetera, et cetera. So during those times, just pull back an old episode. Uh, hear me gnash teeth. I always suggest going back to the transgender bathroom one. It's my favorite episode I ever did because I did the Braveheart skit. I mean, I was over the top crazy uh, about that. But once again, I had grandkids and I just thought the whole federal government dictating to um, schools who can take a dump somewhere was peak Barack Obama and peak progressivism. Little did I know we'd go to front holes just, you know, two years later. Fucking scary. Enjoy your week. Stay cool if you're in the heat zone or enjoy the first hint of fall like we had today. I, I charged my boat overnight because my battery was really low. I was trying to deplete it so I can get a good charge on it. Um, so like I said, I haven't used it in three years. And uh, went out this morning. It was 56 degrees. It was the first hint of fall air. And I just got to admit, I just really look forward to it. Make sure to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Give your family your undivided attention because as the ending says with my beautiful wife, it's a short ride. You've got to enjoy every minute. And as always, thank you all for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Five Over Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Come